Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. It's been a bad 24 hours or so, not even for me. Karis Levert? Levert and Shirley? Who the heck is Karis Levert? I had to ask that question. And everybody's like, how do you not know who that guy is? Yes, you should know who that guy is. That's like me asking you, who's the sixth or seventh hitter on the Red Sox? (laughs) Most people wouldn't know. Everybody in the NBA scores 16 points. He had a heck of a night. Coos will tell us all about him. Michigan guy. So if you like the Wolverines, of course you know who the Wolverines, uh, who uh, Karis Levert is. Also today, another faux pas for me. I started the day badly. Here's the deal. Avery Jones tweets out this morning, long live bankroll. Okay, okay. all capitals. Okay. So I have no idea what the heck's going on, but I have been in a world where Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngakwe, everybody <laughs> else is cryptically tweeting about everything. Yeah. So here I am thinking that. Avery Jones either got an extension and is coming back or is sayonara and out of here here in Jacksonville. It had nothing to do with it. Nope. Instead, nope. Ryan Davis, fill us in. What did that have to do with yeah, it? Yeah, no, Bangrove Fresh. I think uh, an album came out. Uh, I, I forgot what the name of it is called when they pass away, uh, when they drop an album. Posthumous. Posthumous. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. But, um, yeah, he dropped his, uh, well, they dropped his uh, project today, so, you know. He just showing some respect to the, the Atlanta legend right there. That's Bank all it was. Yeah, I'm a cultural was. moron. Nah, you okay. got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, but I had to quickly backpedal on that one, as I did. So no cryptic tweet from Avery Jones. He's still on the roster, we think. One of the few from right. 2017's <laughs> dominant defense. And speaking of on the roster, he's been on the roster before here in Jacksonville. Ryan Davis, welcome to the show. Hey. Austin Lane is... In fight week, and he's headed to Dallas, Texas, to fight yeah. on Friday night. So he's out of here the next few days. We'll yeah. have some guests visiting, yes. including Ryan Davis. Good to hey, have you, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad to be here, man. Let's have some fun. Yeah, let's have, have some, some fun, fun although it's not fun in Jagland these days. Nah, not right now. But no. welcome to the show, because who knows what could happen. Monday, right. it was Yannick Ngakwe with a PSA <sighs> saying, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Yesterday, during the show, it was A.J. Boye traded to Denver. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll be here by the end of the show today. No, for real. Like, it, it, that's that's how quick they're moving in and out, like m- moving everybody in and out so far. So, uh, you know, I've even seen, a, I don't know if somebody was playing, but I've seen, like, Calais Campbell may be up or other guys. I'm like, all right, come on now. What are you guys doing now? They're trying to trade away the whole squad now, for real. And uh, we talked about this a lot yesterday. Is it just the nature of the NFL, or is it something the Jags are doing? There's a little bit of a combination. Jalen Ramsey, to me, yeah. was his own situation. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey yeah. was always going to be difficult for the Jags. Even if they kept him, it was going to be hard to extend him. There was always going to be drama around Jalen Ramsey, most likely, even yeah. if you took care of Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. But Yannick Ngakwe's situation on top of Ramsey makes it feel like an epidemic here in Jacksonville. Yeah. Although I went through the roster yesterday from 17 to 20, what this, this roster might look like in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it's 
pretty commonplace for turnover with free agents that they brought in and, and other people. Uh, Dante Fowler was a draft pick, no longer no here. Longer Obviously, Jalen draft pick, no longer here, and Yannick Ngakwe. So there's a mixture, and Telvin Smith is one that nobody could control yeah, uh, yeah. and didn't see coming. Yeah. So there definitely is a mixture. But I always find this interesting. When you have players that live around here, played for the Jaguars, they are invested in the Jaguars. You yes, know, The Jaguars, yes, yeah. right now, the perception is – what is going on? It's toxic. Everything's wrong. There's never anything positive coming out of there. But I always find it interesting that guys seemingly are invested and want to see Jacksonville do well and want to see what's going on with the Jags. You're one of those guys. Yeah. What is your take on what's gone on now here the last six or eight months here in the River City? Because it's been very little positive news. Uh, yeah, it's been unpredictable so far, to say the least. Um, with all that's going on, especially it started the year started rough with Jalen and that whole saga and him uh getting ultimately dealt away um but now the the latest with Jan, uh you know it's just uh, it's just been hard to watch it's been hard to watch as a fan you know I'm a former player but now I'm in fan mode when I watch the Jaguars it's been hard so I kind of feel the pain of you know everybody in Duval kind of wondering like okay was this rebuild or we were just a few players away from going to the the Super Bowl you know a couple years ago so uh, it's just been hard to watch, so it's. It, I don't know. I don't understand it from a player's perspective, or but from a GM's perspective, looking at it through the lens of uh, Dave. I mean, I think it's. I mean, it's necessary. Just the, the necessary steps you got to take to, you know, kind of rebuild and get the roster back to where you needed to go. And that's the big question. Yeah. Uh, that's a question I had a lot today. It's like, okay, they're rebuilding, right? Well, yeah. I think yes. I think if you were to say, are they rebu- rebuilding or trying to win now? I would say. It looks like they're rebuilding. Yeah. They're going to have 10 draft picks. They're going to have yeah. six-pack picks in the first four rounds. Yeah. They're going to have more money to play with than maybe they even thought they would have. Yep. And the moves might not be done, by the way. The Correct. Sayonara, the see you later, the, all those things might not be done with some of the players on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still say I don't think it's a complete pivot just yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll acknowledge it's a complete pivot from winning now to rebuild mm-hmm. unless one more person goes away, one more player, whether it's Fournette, Calais Campbell, Linder, Norwell, one of those folks. It, it takes one more for me to say, all right, this is full-on okay. rebuild mode, compiling picks, clearing space, and now looking at 2021, 2022, 20, And listen, there's two different ways to look at this. That might be the smart move. Yeah. The only problem people have with that is, well, then why did you retain Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone to rebuild it again because everybody believes it's a win now situation. I would I had this question a bunch of uh, times in the last 24 hours. Should they now extend them? Is this basically quietly a two year deal for these guys to come back? I don't think so. I don't think Shotcon owes them anything. I think if this pivots to a rebuild and it happened in a couple months into 2020 without them really seeing that or wanting that to happen. Now they're going to go in that way. Well, that's just going to be too bad for Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell yeah. uh, because you got to let it happen if it's about to happen, and we might be in the middle of it happening. Yeah, it looks like we're. Yeah, it looks like we're in the middle of that happening. But you know, like they say, winning heals all. So if, if <laughs> by some chance these guys go out here and win ten games next season, I think I think they're safe uh, for next year and years to come. They'll look like they will look like a genius. Well, they certainly can. Yeah, they, they could bring up a good I mean, point. Like yeah. given the situations and everything, yeah. if they are to find a way to win, if they what somehow, yeah. my goodness. Which I don't know what the over under is going to be from right. Vegas, but I'm taking the under right now. Mm. And 
I, I just I think you're right on the money though. Yeah. If they were to find a way to somehow have a somewhat successful yes. season, it might point to them as a pat on the back more than an indictment. Yeah. Uh, but we're a long way away from that. They got to build this roster first, and what yeah. will it look like when they play their first game months from now is interesting. You know, we always have Austin in here from the players' perspective, and mm-hmm. I joke around them. So don't be. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to take it easy on you. No, that's cool. I'm uh, ready, man. I'm so, trying to got to loosen up. I'm trying to but loosen I do. Up, yeah. But I do uh, mess around with him because he takes the players' side. Well, he should take the players' yeah. side. He's a former yeah. player. Once in a while, he'll give the other side and say, "What the heck are you players doing?" Right. But. He often takes the player side. Therefore, it paints me in the corner of taking the team side, even when we talk around it, just for debate. I got you. But I am interested in the player side of it from an optics point of view, mm-hmm. because I was thinking of this coming in. Every player I talk to, I'd be like, okay, if you're in that locker room right now, right? right or if you're on this roster right. of the Jags, how are you feeling? Are you calling around? Are you guys texting? Are you like, what is going on here? We didn't think this was going to be like this. We kept Doug Marone. We wanted to build it. We wanted to add to it. We wanted to figure out who our quarterback is, all those things. We knew there were some issues, but we wanted to add and try to work our way through, not create more holes and more issues. Right. Or, and this might be a tough one to answer, but it's a selfish league. Professional sports can be a selfish thing. Yeah. As long as my check keeps coming in mm-hmm. and I'm getting paid, whatever's going on is going on. Yeah. How would you be looking at it? Oh, uh, well, I, if you see cryptic posts from players, you know, and that's out in the public eye, just imagine what was being said in those group chats amongst yeah. each other on these locker rooms. So, yeah, it's not a, if when you see that, you just know that the guys are really communicating with each other and it's not looking good. They, you know, they, when it's their time to, you know, get paid, they're not looking to Jacksonville to, you know, ultimately give them their money. They know they're going to have to, get up and get out. I think I seen Jalen um, post something about free all my dogs, yeah. you know, and that's kind of the sentiment that I feel that locker room has right now. And and if I were in that locker room, I would feel that way. You know what I'm saying? You didn't, you didn't care to uh, work it out with Jalen. However, that situation is still weird to me. I don't really know the deets, but however, that they didn't choose to keep a top five corner. Um, they're choosing to let, you know, Jan be upset and want to walk. Ultimately, I think they'll end up trading him like Frank Clark. And uh, he'll get his deal, um, but it's not a good it's not a good look. The players are upset in that locker room right now, and you know, and I, you know, like I said, winning heals all. So if they win, and it, it could all change, but for right now, it's not looking too well, good. Well, you need good players, and usually, I, I wouldn't say happy players. You can have yeah. players on edge, but you do need players in a good state of mind that want to be there, want to punch that code every day and go to yeah. work. Yeah, and yeah. so that's an important part of it in building the culture and all those things. I continue to think Calais Campbell is really interesting to me here because. He is a guy that is loyal, I think. Yeah. He, he has put a lot of investment of his own time into that locker room, into this city, into yeah. this franchise, and he's done very well. And now I thought the ball might be in the Jags court and say, hey, we want you to take a pay cut. We want you to maybe take less snaps. We're not, we have to figure out the cap, but we want you here. Well, instead of that, it could it be Calais Campbell saying, I don't know, at 34 years old, if I want to be here, would he right. even be that guy? The guy that's super loyal and helped super build loyal. this thing. Yeah. Well, you look around and be like, maybe I should ask out, too, and it's not the greatest situation it's for me not. to end my career or have the twilight of my career. Yeah, he's trying to win, too, man. So, yeah. You got to get that ring soon yeah. as it, time's running out. It's running out. So he's an interesting one in all of this because he's kind of in the middle. You wonder what's going through his mind. But right. you just gave us some good insight on guys texting back and forth oh, and, yeah. and how that works. Yeah. Later on in the show, though. Does it show a little bit? Does social media show the immaturity of what the Jaguars have had 
in that locker room these last couple of years. I wondered that a little bit today. Or is this just, hey, man, if I was at the playground and I'm beating you up 21 to 10, I'm going to talk trash. Right now the Jags are talking trash because yeah. they feel like the ball's in their court and they're <laughs> right. winning. Yeah. And they're winning over the organization. The organization really can't say much. The organization always has to take it yeah. because they're not going to come out and start – Having a Twitter war fingers or a yeah. social media oh, war. Oh, man, that would be fun to see. Players, that would be pretty fun to see. <laughs> we thought it hadn't hit rock bottom. Maybe that would be rock bottom uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ryan Davidson here, former Jags, played in the AAF. I want to ask you about the XFL. Do you think that's going to last? What do you okay. like about it? Have you been watching it? And what have you been up to? We're going to talk a lot about the Jags and uh, other things here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Stay with us. Thanks for hanging on ESPN 690. Welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Ryan Davis, former Jags yeah. player uh, here tonight. Nice shirt. Showing a little love. Oh, this man. might be appropriate. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We need a little love in Jacksonville. No, for real. You know, at one time, and I don't even know if I'm a member of my own club anymore, but I was the president, owner, CEO, all these things of the Sunshine and Rainbows Club. A little background is I used to be the positive guy in town. <laughs> all the time like so i got hammered for being the positive so, so guy not, even when they stunk are you not the positive guy anymore well i don't really i'm kind of positive by nature okay but it's a little bit hard right now yeah, if tough. you're calling a spade a spade <laughs> yeah. to not be what is going on here yeah uh for surely. and uh we just try to say it how it is here on the show <laughs> so uh but we need a little love we do and so i actually thought of doing a, a segment today at some not right now Give me something positive about the Jags. I need something. Can we dig? Mm-hmm. Can we find something about the Jags that's positive? So think about it. Okay. And we'll get some responses in a little bit later uh, yeah. in the program. Hey, let's catch up with you for a moment. You're okay. filling in for uh, Austin, who's got a fight uh, in Dallas, Texas. He's out the next few days. We'll have some guests uh, along the way. Shout out to Austin, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, what have you been up to other than the last time we talked to you? We remember that you were playing in the AAF. That yeah. went defunct but you also got a scary hit and yeah. had everybody wishing you the best we talked to you shortly after that i think mm-hmm. it was and you yeah. were okay but that was a scary moment oh uh, yeah so yeah with the aaf that february 17th we were in san antonio and you know i had a nice little power rush um but ultimately yeah it was a bad concussion you know luckily i had my head up and you know because if i'd had my head down down then it's another story maybe i'm not even is that what they told you that's what, well, I, when I look at the film and see how I was hit, they didn't tell me anything. Um, but when I look at it, my, you know, my head was up like this. If it was down, and I, cause I ran straight into my uh, teammate. So if my head was down, then that's when neck the neck, back that's where it could have got scary. Yeah. But, well, by the way, it looked scary. Oh, it, it looked scary. I was at, but at the end of the day, I was at the bottom of the pile talking and they're telling me just don't move, precautionary. I'm down there trying to, you know, make sure everybody lightens up. Cause I, I noticed it just got, quiet in there i'm like oh man oh, this, so you could tell so the, yeah everybody thought so it was bad right so i'm like damn i'm the guy right now i'm like sheesh <laughs> um, little jerry Maguire. yeah so i'm like oh that's <laughs> that's me in it and when i got they put me on the stretch and everything i'm like oh come on you know so i was like uh my mom's probably watching this and you know everybody's probably scared calling and stuff like that so i made sure they uh called my mom and everything and let her know like, my neck is fine i felt okay on the field um but what i didn't know is i had a bad concussion Cause I had a neck brace on that whole day, so I wasn't able to move. So I didn't know how off I was. Okay. My crystals were knocked out of place. 
Right. So the next morning I woke up, I got up, my head was spinning. I laid back down. Like I ain't lay back down. It forced me back down. Okay. So that's why I was like, yeah, this is, that's why I kind of got in my mind like, yeah, this, I'm done with this. You know, this concussion really scared me. So that's what really came about that, that whole was time. Was that it? Is that was the moment you're like, hey, I'm done? Yeah. Oh yeah. The next morning I was like, yeah, I'm done with this football stuff. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I'm, cause I was throwing up and stuff. I've never, yeah. never had a concussion that bad. So for me, that was just like real life scary. I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm trying to play with my kids in the yards in the, in the future. So yeah, that's where, you know, my wife, my wife was there next to me. Luckily she came there and was able to take care of me, uh, from then up until now. But, um, that was that was a scary moment for me personally. That concussion. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you obviously played for the Jags for a bit. One of the fun stories. See, I do love the fans appreciate your kind of story. Yeah. And did you ever? Yeah. Did you sense that? Do you still oh, yeah. sense that? Undra- yes. You know that undrafted story guy. Mm-hmm. You actually just said when we were talking about the Senior Bowl, we had Austin's helmet. I'm yeah. like, hey yeah. man, I wish I got an invite to that. I for might real. have been drafted. Yeah. Um, but. Sometimes the stories are better this way, man. Yeah. Undrafted, you survived regime changes, yep. coaching changes. Yep. Everybody like, well, he'll be gone. He'll be gone. Nope, nope. nope. Ryan Davis yep. still there, taking selfies, yep. had his own selfie dance. But right. Bethune Cookman, uh, the story's a good one. The story's yeah. a fun one to share with the kids and grandkids down the road, isn't it? Oh yeah, man. It's, it's def- it definitely is. Um, you don't get seven years in the league um, by you know just you know you can't get seventy years without seven years in the league without. You know, playing playing your butt off and being tough and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I just used that fuel to not not being selected, not seeing my name go across that uh, the ticker at the bottom on draft day. I just used that as fuel. Um, and, and and I've been blessed to find my my little lane during the time. And Coach Wash kind of helped groom me. Um, you know, you know to to keep playing, to extend my career longer than three years, two or three years, and get off the practice squad and you know make some plays and. Um, you know, become, you know, a part of the culture a little bit, you know, six and a half sacks, uh, lightning package, uh, all of that. That was fun for me. So, um, and for me, that I think that was the height of my career, the height of, you know, my football days for real, um, when I was here with washing the game. Yeah. Know? What, yeah. what, give me uh, something, what changed, like said, uh, what clicked for you and said, okay, I got this. Was it the scheme thing? Was so, it a package like that? Or was it actually like yeah. a move or a skill set or, or coaching that kind of was like, that got, yeah. that got, Kind of that clicked for you? Because I, I think watching them, they seen the skill set in practice. But I, I think they were in a tough position uh, to where to put me and where to play me. You know, they have we had Andre Branch, uh, Jason Babin at the time. Uh, you know, so I had some guys in front of me. And then so uh, uh, for me, they promoted me, um, you know, and oh, no, it was a practice. And then when we uh, I had they put me on the inside to rush against Uche Waneri. Uche, Uche Waneri. And uh I've never rushed inside before, but they just said, stand up and do, you know, just do something. So I stood up and hit him with some quickness both times. And like, hold on, you know, this might be something going forward. So I think from that practice going forward, I think uh their intent to use me on the inside was, I mean, it worked. You know, it was it was pretty clear. And for me, I, I'm thankful for that because, like I said, it extended my career and, um, you know, really got me on the field and got me, you know, to where I wanted to go. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, lightning package, by the yeah. way. Lightning package was essentially three pass rushers on the field at the yep, same three, time, yep. right? Three ends and Cinderic. Yeah, and Cinderic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who, by the way, also could rush a passer. I was sure. Quick. So, eight, you know, it's much like uh, Calais, uh, Yannick, Josh, Josh Allen, and, um, and Marcel Darius or Avery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So uh, I, and when that, Marcel was, he- was yeah. healthy, I think he was in on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in my case, yeah, it was, it was, 
it was me, Andre, Sinderic, and Clem. I think those were our oh, four yeah. uh, when we when we did. So me and me and Sinderic were on the inside, and we just controlled the inside, and you know, just had some fun out there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, some yeah. of us. Uh would like you to get some dirt on some of those players, probably. Uh, some of us in the media and the fans. We won't. I won't do that. I won't put you in a tough I'm not, spot. I can't do it. I can't do it to my guys. What stays in the what happened in the locker room stays in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you know? Like you guys, I, I say this to Austin. I, I know I kind of joke around now with Austin. I can't. Uh, you not yet, maybe with you to this extent. But we covered it. We were there for it. Uh, there were times when team wasn't very good. You oh, know, yeah. wins and loss yeah. wise. Yeah. Do you know that? Like. Like, are these guys going to walk in there in April? They're going to look at the roster. They're going to say, we did this in free agency. We've lost this over the last year. We have this. And what they're going to say in front of a microphone is, yeah, we can win. We can do this. We can do that. They're going to play good soldier. Mm-hmm. But in, in the backroom conversations, when you're sitting in that cold tub, it's like, man, we got an uphill battle this year. I mean, did you feel that? Do you know that as a player or, or do you just don't allow yourself to go there? You, you don't allow you. That's a good. I'm glad you said it. you don't allow yourself. To I gave it really, out. See, you did because uh, I was going to try to I was going to try to think my way through that. Uh, but no, for real. Uh, yeah, you you kind of don't even think about that. aspect. I think for me, every every season was a new season. And I've always felt hopeful that we could turn the corner or get over that hump. So and when it doesn't happen and you see everybody say, oh, same old Jags, it's kind of deflating, you know, especially yeah. when you believe. You know, that at the beginning of the year that, you know, you can make some noise and do something and, you know, it just didn't go your way. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you just don't let yourself kind of get there, at, especially at this point in April and stuff like that. All right. Uh, where is yeah. this thing? Rebuild or still with a chance to win games? When I say win now, I'm not talking about this. Nobody in their right mind thinks this is a Super Bowl team. Heck, I think knocking on the door of the playoffs would be win now for me. Uh, if if you could get there, I, I just I don't know how you can say otherwise at the moment. But the opposite of that is strip it down and rebuild it. Continue to compile picks, jettison guys out of here for some value in return and clear cap space. Mm-hmm. And you can fix a lot of that now in a hurry. You can look at 2021. And going into that and say, wow, now draft capital, if we do well in April in the draft, we get a couple free agents. If Minshew does this or that, and then looking forward in 2021, we have more draft picks. We'll have a bunch of money because we'll clear some space. You can fix it in the NFL quick. This doesn't have to be 2013, 2014. Where do we see the Jags? Where do they see themselves? It's kind of the question of the day. Everybody's wondering around the water cooler. Okay, A.J. Boye now gone. That 2017 team now pretty much gone. Where do we see it? Let's talk about it when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We'll take a timeout. Your call is always welcome. 904-362-9901. Star Star 690 as well. And, of course, the interaction on social media. You can watch the video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. What state of mind are the Jags in? That is a hard question to answer. We try to do it. Yep. Next on ESPN 690. The Knicks have a point, potentially, but they found a way to just make this look terrible for themselves. This is so avoidable. Oh, my God. And I don't know how many times that they, whether or not they've said, they said they've told him numerous times. He says that isn't the case. Right. So we don't know that part. All we know is the Knicks found the worst possible way to make this about another disaster for themselves. 
That's uh, Trey Wingo, Golik and Wingo, every morning on ESPN 690, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. And the Spike Lee conversation continues. Do the right thing, which we could not find this slogan to yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was. I was like, what? what did I say? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, <isn't that> <laughs> I've had a bad couple of days. Uh, but um, that's not unusual. So the Spike Lee stuff is is so stupid, really. But entertaining. It, it, like, Dolan is such a moron. Like, he's he's without question yeah. the worst yeah. owner in sports, right? Yeah, when be. you listen to Spike Lee's, like, explanation... You got why he was saying, no, I'm not going to leave, because like usually when you leave an arena, yeah. you can't use you can't, that ticket to get back in, and that's what they in. were trying to get him to do, right? because they already scanned it. So it's like, with that logic, I don't know, you know, heat of the moment, I'm sure there was other stuff going on, but yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, you just said, uh, the, rather be Knicks or Jags? This year specifically, <laughs> because every other, I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Dolan got going on, and I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. You're a big NBA guy though. I am. I am. I was, I was. That was disappointing to see though. Um, you don't. You don't do Spike like that. That's. That's. No, you don't do him. He's been courtside for how many years now? I, gosh. I, yeah. He said he spent. What do you say? He spent thirty almost, million. Almost ten. Ten. Was it ten million? Was it ten million? Okay. Yeah. I thought you said nine. Yes. Nine or ten. Okay. It's nine or ten Ooh. million dollars on tickets. You don't do that, to Spike, man. Uh, just let him. Just let him in. I said and, that. How old is Spike Lee? I don't know. He's got to be 60-something, right? Well, I said this the other day on the show. I was like, do you remember Spike Lee for – that's what we were coming up. Do the right thing. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, I didn't do a good job of remembering it. Uh, Nick's fan or this movie mogul guy. Right. You know, like right. which one do you – like if I said Spike Lee, when you someday we say Spike Lee, are you going to think Nick's right away or are you thinking movies right no, away? No, you're thinking Nick's right away, Yeah, especially if, if you're my age. Uh yeah, you thinking Nick's right off right off off top. Yeah. He's sixty two by the way. Sixty two. Sixty two. What yeah. like okay? How about this? I'll do another one for you. This does this only happen in the NBA? Not really. Uh, if I say Drake, Raptors or music, Raptors Nick. or rapping? No, no Raptors <laughs> or music. <laughs> that would <laughs> rapping. I would say definitely Rapping. music. Yeah, yeah, definitely music. Yeah. yeah, so he hasn't reached that kind of status. Although he was very prevalent there no, for a while. But. With the Raptors, they have another super fan. Um, and I, I forget his name. His name the- he always sits in the baseline. I know you're yes. talking about. Yeah. I forget his. He's like a multi. Is he like a? Is he? Is he like a multi billionaire? Right? He's yeah. got a ton of money. And so yeah. he goes to every game. Every game. Every okay. Game. So he would be the spike in Toronto. Are there any other people like that in sports? Like McConaughey has become very close to like the Texas program. Yeah. Uh, like what about athletic uh, program? Oh, but man. McConaughey, by the way, I don't even know if McConaughey. Is known as the movie guy anymore or the Lincoln commercial guy? You know? Oh yeah, I love I love his commercials. By the way, they're they're classy. Or all I right, all right, all right. I love right. them. I love them. What about the What about the Lakers? Well, who uh, sits court? Oh, Jack Nicholson. The, Jack Nicholson. There we go. But to me, see Nick, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good call there. But Nicholson to me, so good in the movies and so many movies. That I yeah. maybe okay. now in my mind I may refuse to allow myself to consider him Lakers whatever right. because I was a Celtics fan growing up. Okay, so that's that fair. might be part of it. But that's, that's a good one. That's yeah. a really good Does call. It work for football because I know like Mike Trout goes to every Eagles game or is usually has a spot for the Eagles. I don't think it works for football. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah, not the same because he's so active and he's like the best player in yeah. Big, yeah. In, in his own sport. I t- there's a couple others, you know. Uh, Alyssa Milano, Dodgers. They always show. Okay. Her. 
but she's not as prevalent as the ones I named. Nah. The I got one for you, Ashley Judd, Kentucky. Is she really at all the Kentucky? Oh yeah, big Kentucky fan. Now I don't know if she still is, but she hoops, was for a long, hoops long or, time. Hoops or football? Hoops. Really? Yeah, I don't I know. know that. You're not allowed to be a fan of football in Kentucky. <laughs> now you, <laughs> well, now you can. I mean, Mark Stoops doing a nice job there, but <laughs> uh, that's an interesting conversation, though. And uh, it is. it's it's all sports, but you know what sport it's not really? What the NFL? And the NFL isn't like that. Like, do do you know of a? Can we? No, no. I listen, there are fans all the time. Of, of no doubt, everybody's got their own fan of. And and they come out of the woodwork around like Super Bowl time. Yeah, you know, like who is uh, is like with the Patriots stuff at Bon Jovi, Mark, right? Mark Wahlberg, and Wahlberg. Right? Yeah, he'll come out. Um, but still, that's not like that's you, nothing. Yeah, you don't turn the TV on in January and they're always showing the same guy for the Chiefs game or for the they Patriots game. Well, the other thing with those, like they're up in the press like, press or box, not the yeah, press box, the suite. Yeah, yeah. So, they're usually in the owner's suite. Right. I guess I guess uh one that could work, you know. He, Jerry Jones, I guess. <laughs> he's all, I mean, he's Cowboys owner, of course. Yeah. But he's like, they're all, he's at every game. All owners don't go to every game. Yeah. Well, well he's, not he's only active. every game, but on the sideline of every game. Yeah. Facts. Like, like, uh, Shad Khan doesn't miss many. I think he's only missed like two games. Really? If that. Okay. Uh, in his, in his tenure as owner. Nice. I, and I, I'm not even sure he's missed the two, but I feel like he had, he may have probably, missed a game or two. It's probably an important reason and, why. But he's at every game. He really? finds a way to get to every game. And you just don't see them. They're not showing them. Like okay. even we don't see them. Like I'll be up in the press box or yeah, on the way up, and yeah. once in a while you'll pass by. You really have to find him on the field before you the do. game. But he's always on the field before the game. Yeah. And so you're right about that. A lot of the owners don't don't really stay front and center. Nope. Jerry Jones loves it. But Kraft has become kind of Kraft. that way too. Like he's become a. Uh, iconic with the Patriots. Yeah, Arthur, you might catch Arthur Blank on the sideline. Blank's, you know, and Blank is a guy that him. even like we saw at Radio Row making the rounds. Yeah, so he's not afraid to to, to get out, out there and talk. No, not at all. Uh, but it's always it's always interesting how uh, I think sports does that. You know, they yeah. they kind of they normalize some of the stars. Yeah, uh, and you know, College Game Day has done a tremendous job of that yeah. because they bring them on in the yep. pick segment. Yeah. Right? Do. And you're yeah. like, oh, I didn't know that guy went there or had an affiliation to there. Or yeah. That, like we were saying, McConaughey, I didn't know about Tech. I didn't know his for his, his love for Texas. I really didn't know that. Until, Until I yeah, seen him game, game day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you, and then some of those folks they have on game day, they're super knowledgeable, and oh, then yeah. others have no clue. Yeah, but <laughs> but he, McConaughey is not one of he he knows his stuff. Uh, yeah. All right, Tay. The question is, rebuild, win now. There. Oh. Where are they? They're, uh, the Jags are going to beat around that question. You know, I'm not, I think they're rebuilding, but I think the Jags are going to beat around that question all the way up until midway through the season to see what pro, what kind of progress they've made. And based on their record, I think they're going to, okay, if they're losing, oh, this is a rebuild season. Or if they're winning, you know, we're trying to win now. I think they're going to try to spin it any kind of way, uh, just based on, you know, how far along they are in the season. But right now, looking at it, it's an easy call. It's a rebuild, man. You don't get rid of, you know, all these guys on defense and expect to come out on top, especially in the AFC South where, you know, this, you know, you got this, you got to go against Deshaun Watson and Derrick Henry, uh, twice a year. So this is for me, it's a, it's a rebuild and I think the team will beat around the bush until midway. Yeah. Well, here's to, the deal. 
Here's why this is still a question, mm-hmm. and I understand where it's going. And somebody yeah. just asked me. I was just in the grocery store actually. They're like, "What are they doing?" And I was like, "I don't know, but there's no doubt about it. Right now, looks it's looking like a rebuild." Yeah. So I I would tend to say it's looking like a rebuild, but I said this yesterday during the show. Look at their roster, and it doesn't scream rebuild. If they it, Given the what it looks like right now, if you have Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe under the franchise tag, we'll see what happens there. But he's not go- <laughs> oh, he's playing. You don't think he plays under the franchise tag? No, nope, nope. You don't think he's playing for nineteen million dollars? No, nope, nope. Well, let's stop the car right there. No way. Why not? Frank Clark, twenty. What, what is his average? Twenty. Twenty-one million. Right. He had thirty-five sacks his first four years. Yan had thirty-seven. Yan knows that. And Demarcus Lawrence. First four years, I think he had, uh, either way, Jan had 37 and a half, his first four, and DeMarcus Lawrence got 21 a year. You know, so, uh, yeah, Jan's not playing for 19. Jan's going to get 21, 22. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, but he has no control over that right now. He doesn't. He, he's he doesn't. not a free Well, he's a free agent, but the Jags can franchise tag him. So yeah. when the Jags franchise tag him, they have the then he has to decide, do I skip games? And miss game checks, potentially missing a crude year yeah. of service. Yeah, I think he has to. Okay. Now, I like this. I like this stance you're yeah. taking here. I, and he and by to. the way, you're not alone that think that way. Yeah. But there's so many others that think not in his right mind can he do that. I get it with the 19 million. That's a lot of money. It's, you know, life changing, and especially with him earning, what, three, four million his first four years. Uh, yes. Like, the, that's it. Like, three million. I should say that's can, it. But, like, Realistically, you can live off of that, you know, but that's not the world we live in. We live in a world where you want to capitalize off of your talents. You want to maximize that. Nineteen million uh, for one year—that's that's cool and all, but I want the long, I want the long-term money. Here's what I've argued, okay, and from a money standpoint, yeah. If I'm your agent, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, hey, I'm gonna try to get you the most money possible. And I know you don't want to be here, man, but I'm going to just try to get you the most money possible. Okay. And so I would say I think Jan's best play for the most money possible, if that was his lone motivation, mm-hmm. is to play under the franchise tag for $19.3 million this year and then wait for this new CBA to get the long-term deal because there's a bigger pool of money. The players are going to have a lot more money. That's... And so, therefore, next year he'll go get that big deal somewhere. And yeah. now you're talking about 19 plus maybe it's 112 million, 15 right. I million, mean, whatever it might be. That's kind of similar to what uh, Demarcus Lawrence did. He played under the tag, and then got the big deal the next year. You know, so um, it's similar to that. But also, it's in the NFL. I mean, you got a hundred percent chance of getting hurt in the NFL. Yep, that's so, what Austin said too. So you never know when it's your last down, or you know that injury could take him out, and his value decreases. Yes, and that's I think that's what he knows. He gave it like when Jan, Jan played here, you can't say Jan didn't play 100 percent full tilt every time. Absolutely. Nobody's so, ever questioned that about him. And he knows that. So for him to feel like this is kind of disrespectful uh, in the players in his eyes. And I, and I see it. So for him, the smart play would be to just, you know, um, you know, just to chill out and, you know, just come in, I guess, so you can get your accrued year. Um, he'd have to come in at the back end. Yeah, I think there's like six, seven weeks left, so he'd make six million yeah. anyway, probably. And the thing is, he gave the, he gave the organization a chance to sign him uh, before the season, and you know, to kind of make things right. It probably would have been cheaper then. So Jan bet on himself. It paid off. He was healthy. He's 24. Going, going to be 25. Going to be 25. So he hadn't really entered his prime yet. So 
Just, he's got a he, lot of earning years. He's got a lot. He's got he got a lot. And, of love, and that's so. one, by the way, good reason for wanting a deal sooner than later. Yeah. One of the like a minimal deal, even a four year deal last year would have been good because then he mm-hmm. can go back to the bank again yeah. when he's 28, 29 28, years yep. old, much like Calais Campbell has done throughout his career. Yes, by yes. the way, get those three, four year deals. But yeah. I got to tell you this now. I don't think I don't know Jan's personal situation, all this stuff. But right. how long have you been married? Uh, just got married in October. All right. Yeah. So you just got married in October. Right. And you're in Jan, uh, again, Jan, okay. I don't know if he's married. I'm in Jan's but, predicament. But okay. I, I, I'm just saying, you got a franchise tag for $19 million. You don't like the Jags right now. You okay. want to get out of here. Uh, you you have made, you just gambled on yourself $2 million last year on your final year of your deal. Okay. When you come home to the new, your new <laughs> wife, yeah. and you say, hey, I'm uh, probably not getting a long-term deal, kind of digging in the sand here. Yeah. They're going to give me $19 million, but I'm probably going to turn it down and not play on it most of the year. Mm-hmm. It might not be a good start to year one of your marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife might. She, <laughs> my wife might have a problem with that. She she might not see the vision. She might. I might have to go sleep somewhere. I had to go to a friend's house that night. You know, uh, yeah, she might not be as. Uh, she might not understand that as much as I, I do. But uh, I think, you know, when I when I explain to her the the. the the business side of the game and you know how was how was going and you know knowing your value and all this kind of stuff i think she might come along but it might take some work so uh yeah that's i mean when you put it like that it's, it's a different perspective yeah yeah i mean well, that might be that might rub it the wrong way the other thing too is if he leaves let's just say he leaves 13 million on the table this year in a franchise tag yeah and again i'm talking about the dollars here i understand principle yeah and i, I also think you can say what you want, and most players, even mm-hmm. if you were unhappy with the organization, if they come in and say, hey, we're going to give you five years, $110 million, you'd be like, okay, I got it. Good. Thanks. <laughs> you know, Jan's different. Yeah. Jan doesn't, at least the Jan we know, or at least yeah. we think we understand and know, but yeah. I mean, we never really know. But uh, he is a stuck in the stand, oh, yeah. principal, chip on his shoulder guy. Oh, he's serious. And once he gets it, you know, we've all know those kind of people. Yeah, he's and, yeah. He's that guy, and there's something you really respect about those kind of people. Yeah. But at the same time, what is smart and not smart when you're talking about tens and tens of millions yes. of dollars? Because last year he, again, if he signs the deal, whatever it is, if they keep at the table and say it's an $18 million deal, not what he wants, not what he's worth, all those things, he still left $18 million potentially at the table and earned two. So he cost himself $16 million, say. Well, this year, if he says $19 million on a franchise tag and says, I'm going to sit out most of the season, I'm only going to get six, well, it just cost himself another $13 million. So now you're talking about a guy who costs himself maybe $30 million. You can't make that kind of money up. I don't care how big your deal is, if you're going to get paid, all those other things. And like you said, you're risking it. You're betting on yourself. So one thing that doesn't change, even if he comes in and plays six games, he's still putting himself at risk. Now, not for 16 yeah. games, but six games. And the and by the way, the franchise still has the capability to franchise him again if they really want to play hard. We got to do away with that franchise. Tag, so. <laughs> yeah. Moral of the story. Yeah, but hopefully, um, behind the scenes, they're working on something, getting trying to get something done. Well, they're not. Them. I can tell you, they're, they're not. not. Uh, it's so a he's... stalemate, and it's been a stalemate for a long time. And that's kind of the. I wonder what his asking number is. That's why you know, if I was close to him, I would ask him. But I don't even think he would even say it. Well, what happened to in this whole situation is it went from being, hey, here's our number. Here's your number. We're off. 
but kind of the Jags eventually said, take it or leave it. We're, we're done getting to the table. We got to, we got to move on from this. We're trying to take care of it a year early, mm-hmm. you know, and usually when teams take care of it a year early, they in their mind think, well, we'll get at least maybe not a hometown discount, but a reasonable deal. We're not going to pay like we're bidding for another free agent like they had to do with Calais Campbell, right. you know, when he's a free agent on right. the open market. So they're trying to secure it. Well, talks die down. That's yeah. how we get to the holdout 11 days in. That's how we left OTAs. Talks die down and nothing happens. And a couple of different times now in the last couple of months, there have been talks, including at the combine. But by that time, in those few months where nothing was happening, Yannick Ngakwe, I think, went from wanting to be in Jacksonville and trying yeah. to make it work to saying, you know what? You guys did me wrong yeah, and I'm I mean, in the sand. I'm stuck in the sand and I'm not getting out of it. And so I'm out of here. Right. So that's how we got to this point. So numbers might not even matter right now with Yon, I guess, is it, my point. I, and I think it's strictly principle, and that's what I think, you know, that's what I think it is for Yon right now. Um, they had the chance to, you know, do the right thing in his eyes, and, you know, they still had a chance, and they chose to franchise tag him, um, even though he let them know that, you know, he would not be returning, uh, according to him. So, you know, right now it's just – um Looking at it through the lens of the GM now of the, of Dave, I mean he it's it's a good move for him. I mean if you look at it, I mean looking at how Frank Clark the trade happened and what uh, the Seahawks got in return, I mean who like I think Dave could really get some major pieces in return if they decide to trade him to I don't know Buffalo or you know and they sign him Baltimore to the deal or whoever yeah. yeah if they decide to trade him a sign and trade and you know Dave will look like you know. A genius in the in the GM world, uh, even though he's not making his players too happy. So, <laughs> yeah, not making his players or the fans no, too happy. Exactly. So moving forward, you you're gonna have to. Josh Allen's gonna wonder. You know, it's always it's gonna be in his mind. Not to say that Dave won't do this to him, but that's that's a you know that's a fair assessment for Josh Allen in the future if he keeps this up and uh, when it's his time to get paid. Well, you know? there's also nobody here in Jacksonville that believes. Dave Caldwell and Doug Moore won't be around for Josh Allen's contract negotiations. I mean, a lot of people didn't think they'd be around this long. So yeah, that's who, true. Who, who's the, uh, anything can happen, really. Yeah, so. it's a good point. It's interesting, though, you said that about Jan. I, see, I, we disagree. I think he will play. I think it would be smart for him to play. And yeah, I think he can maximize million. his dollars to play. He's got to at least get somewhere along the way because, you know, man, you never know what changes. You never know a play on the field or whatever on the field, yeah. the, the, the the market, the CBA gets held up for a couple uh, a year or so. I mean, who knows? You, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I have got to secure 19 millions. A lot of money. I mean, he could secure that this year. Like 19 million is a lot of money, but that could be a signing bonus for him. If he were to sign a deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if they were to get a deal done, he can get that nineteen million in the signing bonus. And if he sits out uh, if he sits out this year and comes later in the year, and you, you say he'd be losing about thirteen, I say he'd be gaining about six. You know what I'm saying? Because um, this this money That's good you know, call. He, he didn't That's make good call. money he didn't make yet. So I'd say he'd be earning about six million dollars. That's about uh, you know, that's a yeah, that's a raise that's a considerable raise over his first four years, so um, well, that is know. true. I mean, listen, not to say six million is not oh, a lot of money. Yeah, but I, I get, I get what you're saying. But at the end of the day, I think Jan, um, I think he's doing the right thing, digging his feet in, and and um, you know, really just you know. 
playing the waiting game. He's training. He's working out. Watch his videos. Oh yeah. Oh, he's, he's tweeting. So he, he's gonna be ready. Tweeting. <laughs> you know, after you work out in the morning, you got a lot. You got a lot of day left. So I, I'm gonna scroll the timeline and tweet. So he, he's definitely tweeting. He yeah. tweeted something today, by the way. Oh, he did. Of uh, I think it was Pro Football Focus put something out, and, and it was an article Some about stats. like kind of no, it was like kind of like buyer beware. Like these big free agents, hmm. and it was a list of people, and I didn't even see who was on the list. I could get the article. But uh, Jan quote tweeted it and said something to the effect of more opportunities, more more points scored, more opportunities, art of football. And again, I'm bad at this interpretation. I game. I've you. suspended myself from the cryptic tweet interpretation. I love, it. I love the cryptic But I do tweet. it anyway. And <laughs> I, I think what it. he's trying to say is if our offense could have scored – if we could have been ahead in games, well, I could have eaten a little bit more, you know, which is an interesting way to go. Because you know, now he's trying to justify why his numbers were down versus 2017. Guys talk like that. I'm not. I'm not even gonna front. In the locker room, we yeah, like or in like in uh, when we're talking with each other, vice versa, offense and defense. You know, uh, when we're not when we're not out there doing our job, I'm pretty sure the offense, you know, they're gonna gripe and say whatever to each other. They won't say it to us because that'll really you know mess up the locker room. But there's some there's some truth to it. Yeah. You know, if the offense were ahead in a lot of games, there's more opportunities to pass rush and more opportunities for Jan to go and get those numbers. Because a lot of like the GMs will use the numbers against you in negotiations. Absolutely. So those numbers are important. Yeah. Even though we saw the impact Jan had, uh, I think he's gotten a lot better in the run game. Uh, his effort is always on ten. Um, that last game. Where he was just ran, I don't know, in the end zone and he chased down yeah, yeah. the set. Unbelievable play. It wasn't a sack, but he forced the fumble and Calais got the touchdown. Stuff like that. He earned money on that play alone, alone by the way, because he could have just could have gave up, coaxed it in. Yeah, he could have, you, you know, jogged uh, it last in. Last game, I don't want to get hurt. Right. You know, and and he did. Right. Uh, so, you bring up an interesting uh, angle. I wanted to go here. Okay. Because what. I, a lot of people would call that, and not in a bad way, mm-hmm. is the Jags' defense these last couple of years were they were front runners yeah and usually when you say front runners by the way that's a negative connotation i'm not say i don't i'm i'm not saying that mm-hmm. they when they were the jags were ahead yeah and when this team had opportunities to go after the quarterback man they were good 17 uh, even 18 elite and and elite. elite now when you're not given those opportunities though yeah, eh, yeah you, right you it was like what's going on yeah is that something to do with the makeup of the guys they had in that room, the style of ball they had, or is that just defenses everywhere? I want to talk about it, plus okay. these tweets, these social media things. Are these guys <laughs> – I'm not going to use the S word. Uh, I won't say it. Uh, okay, we'll talk more about it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's not that S word. It's a different four-letter word. It's coming up next. It's 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 night and day uh, to be in in the uh, in the big boy chair. But uh, uh, truth be told, I, I wasn't in the big boy chair. We've got uh, uh, Becky and Will and, and Mitch. Uh, Mitch prepped the game for us. Uh, uh, Becky and, and Will were making all the calls, and I was the only one just standing there uh, screaming at people, uh, uh, nonsensical stuff. That's Tim Duncan. Taking over for Greg Popovich yesterday. Did San Antonio win? Yeah. Honestly, don't know. Yeah, they won. I'm assuming so, from the sound of it that they won. Yeah, he's 1-0. Uh, so 1-0 retire. <laughs> uh, but the question is here, why did the Spurs go to Becky Hammond? 
Well, I think they technically did. Like I, I think, mean, he just yeah. said it, but so no, go to Becky Hammond. Like she's like the rising star of women coaches. Like Spurs yeah, gave her a chance. Uh, it, I think uh, one of the first females to do. She might have been the first. I think so. And now we're seeing a trend in the NFL and, and in other sports of, oh, of yeah. women getting opportunities yeah. uh, to coach, uh, which is fantastic. I think. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you're up for the job, you're up for the job. Yeah. And but she might be more qualified than Tim than Tim Duncan to stand there on the sideline and make coaching moves. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? I know he played the game, but right. So did she, and she's kind of been. Tutored to be a coach. Did they ever say anything why they they didn't go that route? Was it? Well, this I think it was just a kind of nostalgia. Have Tim Duncan back in the yeah. building type thing. I get uh, his I celebrity. I understand that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Just celebrity. The other thing I don't yeah. understand. Uh, here, here's this is hard for me to comprehend. And Duncan does a lot of great things, by the way, back in his homeland of the Virgin Islands. Why does he need to coach? He made like two hundred gazillion dollars, and he's probably spent uh, one million of it. That's it. I mean, why in the world <laughs> is he going through the grind of coaching? I get you love the game, but go coach a kids' team if you love the game. Go to the golf course. Go to the beach. I don't know. Maybe it's about more. Maybe it's more than just being a player. You I know? know, but I can't relate. Is what I'm saying. Like yeah, I don't I get it. I don't yeah, understand. I, I don't know if Once I had that money. Like what's the yeah? What's if the I point? had if I had 200 m's, I think I might be. Uh, <laughs> I might my feet might be kicked up on an island somewhere. You know? We think differently, but you know yeah. what I always say about those kind of guys. That's what I makes them it. great too. Yeah. Right. Their yeah. competitive nature. They're not looking at their bank account in exactly. that respect. Yeah. It's what else can I accomplish? What's the next thing? Yeah. Hey, you're the same way. Give up football. You played seven years. No, I'm going to go to the CFL yeah. and give it a whirl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for surely. Got a lot left in the tank, so I want to show it. Why though? Why? Like, what's your? I mean, now you didn't make two hundred million dollars no. in the NFL. So, but the, by the way, Ryan Davis with us. I should uh, reintroduce if you're just jumping in. Brett Martin or Ryan Davis? Ryan, a former Jags player out of Bethune Cookman, undrafted free agent, played in the AAF as well, going to play in the CFL uh, this spring and summer, <clears throat> and uh, filling in for Austin, who's got a fight on Friday in Dallas, Texas. Oh, so uh, good to have you in here, talking some football, talking some Jags, talking some sports. But yeah, why? Uh, What's well, the motivation? Uh, I didn't want to go out. You know, I didn't want my last snap to be me getting uh, hurt, carried off on a stretcher, you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't want that to be the it for me, you know. So for me, um, I was prepared to uh, move on in, in life and, you know, uh, get into the other side of football, which is coaching and everything. Um, but I always said if, you know, the right, you know, I was getting calls from the XFL, all, you know, last year and, and whatnot. But uh, I said if the right, you know, situation came about, um, you know, I would definitely go to Canada, you know. And, um, you know, I got in contact. Well, they got in contact with me through Instagram, actually. And then we exchanged phone numbers and, and went there. But I didn't want to, the last memory of me playing football, on it was, you know, I didn't want it to be on the AAF field getting carried off on the stretcher. So, and I feel like I got a lot left uh, to prove to myself, you know. So. Yeah, so it's more an internal thing. Oh, yeah, it's definitely internal. And I want to take my son in the locker room, and I want him to see that kind of stuff. He didn't, you know, he was born in uh, December of uh, Christmas Eve of, of 2017. So he didn't get, you know, he didn't get the experience, you know, going in the locker room and stuff with, with me and all that kind of, because in 2018, I, I got hurt with L.A., didn't play in 19. Uh, was 17, were you with Buffalo? With Buffalo. And okay. Came here for the playoffs, but that's when he was like, a month old maybe so he couldn't come to the game i didn't want here at the game and everything but i want to you know stuff like that yeah, matters to me i get it so i want to you know prove to myself you know i still got some left in the tank 
Uh, and I don't, don't want to show my kid that too. So yeah, well, listen, you know, you know that was a big motivation for a guy like Tiger Woods to get back at a yeah. high level, was, yeah. so his kids could kind of feel it and see yeah. it, and not just watch YouTube videos. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I get, yeah, that's that's a it's a good take on it. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm still going strong. Quite frankly, I want yeah. my kids to be able to see us have a successful radio show. Nice, Eric Coos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. <laughs> I guess we've got a long way to go. Keep waiting, kids. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it is fascinating to me sometimes why they continue. Like we talk about it all the time with coaches. Coaches coach into their like seventies. Yeah. Some say they're afraid to die if they if they stopped coaching. It's like, mm. dude, go to the beach. You've made millions of dollars. <laughs> like that's why I appreciate a little bit about Bob Stoops. I've always said it. Like he got out, and now he is back in to a degree, but it's way less intense. Way less, yeah. And he can kind of do what he wants there. I mean, if he wants to get out, heck, the league might not even survive. Who knows? But <laughs> he got out of the the rat race. And so I can, and he got out for a year and a half or two years, and then got back in. So at yeah. least he took a breath. He took a, yeah, he took I, a break. I would like to think, you know, but people do this all the time. I would like to think I would do that, but when anybody who's thinking of retiring, yeah. and when they re- do retire, like real retirement age, sixty five, sixty two, sixty seven, whatever it is, right? They retire six months later. They're working somewhere at a golf course, at a they're grocery store, or something because they're poor. Yeah, oh, most man. people, not oh. not all. But most, but and we can't relate as as younger people. Like sign me up, right? <laughs> sign I, me man, up. I was so bored. Like these last couple of years, trying to find what I was going to do next, and that was real for me. I was like, man, what am I going? I'm bored. My wife was sick of me just being home, just trying to you know recover, going through therapy and all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, that was it. That was exhausting for me. I did not like. I didn't like being home. I needed something to do. I called my agent. I retired. I I, re- I called him. Say, man, I'm done playing football. I think I. He, like a couple hours later, I called him saying, I'm not done. Uh, you know, call, and so he's probably kind of, he's probably kind of frustrated with me. This guy doesn't know what he wants. Yeah. But you know, well, that, you go through those you, stages. I went through those emotions and that was real for me. I didn't think it was real. Like being, when I'm playing in the NFL, you hear about stories like that. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to be me. When I'm done, I'm done. Shoot, not me. When I was done, I was like, dang, man, like I can't go out like that. I, I, I still miss the guy I want to play. So, yeah. um, the, so going through those emotions and finding out what I'm going to do next, um, that was real for me, and it came at an unexpected time. So that's why it was a little heightened for me. It was like, yeah, man, I, I don't want to sit around. I can't do this. I can't be complacent or sit still. So, you know. That's what's crazy yeah. about, like, Tom Brady, if you think about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how can – when you go to – when Tom Brady gets ready to play football, like, in the spring or OTAs, which I don't even think he went last year, but right. – uh, or in August or whatever it might be, he's going to be like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this again? <laughs> And then Sundays come in September, and he's like, I love this. Love it. So you do whatever you can to get uh, back at it. Yeah, uh, a couple right. things I want to get to. Uh, the We talked about rebuild or reload, and we've had some yep. some responses on that. Uh, and Josh says rebuild. But how can you convince a staff that needs to win now that they need to invest in the future they won't be around for? Josh, here's what I say to that. Shad Khan owns this regime nothing, in my opinion. He could have easily – Fired him. He could have fired him at the end of last year. So in a weird way, you could consider them lucky to still be here. Even internally, they might, they know how the business works. They might consider themselves lucky to still be here and they're getting paid. So they need to do whatever is in the best interest of the organization. That's their job. That's Mm -hmm. their role. That's what they're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars for. Uh, so I don't think that's as much of a factor here as convincing the staff and everybody else. It is what it is. And you got to do with the best with whatever you got. 
Greg says it's a rebuild. Explain how they plan on keeping their coaching jobs again. Kind of similar question uh, to that. What I don't fully believe that this is a rebuild yet. Yet. Okay. Again, I kind of said in the grocery store today, I was like, okay, this might be a rebuild. But I have to see other moves happen first. Yeah. I, I said earlier in the show and I said it yesterday. Calais Campbell, Linder, Norwell, Fournette. I'm going to give you those four guys. If one more of those guys goes, I am completely convinced there's a pivot. And, and this is a rebuild because you're clearing cap space and losing talent and losing veteran guys. So I would then say, okay, I'm all on board. This is a rebuild. But I think there are still moves to be made this offseason that could indicate this is not a complete rebuild yet. They have not pivoted internally that way. They have, they are going to tag Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. That is going to happen. That's happening. So they are at least going to give that a whirl. They, I think, will keep Calais Campbell. I don't even think there will be these conversations about a pay cut. So now you're paying a guy $15 million to be here, and that's a win-now guy. Yes, if you were going is. to rebuild, you would trade him, and you would send him somewhere else, right, and you'd get you something would. in return. You would. Because he's your best piece outside of Jan maybe to trade. Yeah. Because you can get something in you return. Something back, so yeah. Calais is a big part of this mm-hmm. on where this kind of looks down the road. You're not just keeping him on because he's been so awesome in Jacksonville. We're not just paying him $15 million because he's the greatest guy ever he's and he's been super <laughs> yeah. pr- productive. Uh, so he will be a big piece of this in the way I look at this as a rebuilder or not. And then you do have 10 draft picks. You do have now money freed up in free agency. And I still think if you put that line out there and you have Calais, Avery Jones, they have Taven Bryan. I know he's not in love with Taven Bryan, but we'll be going into his third year. Yannick Ngakwe, Miles Jack. You have Ronnie Harrison and, and, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even say Josh Allen. Uh, Ronnie Harrison and, uh, Jared Wilson who have played some games. He just got to hit a home run. Solid enough. Like that is not like a rebuild, tear down. This is going to be a defense that gives up 35 points a game. They have holes. Absolutely. But you have 10 draft picks and free agency to fix it. Offensive line, they have a lot of investment. They have a second round pick. They have Brandon Linder who they paid at one time to be the highest paid center. Center, They paid 14 million to Norwell. They have Cam Robinson, who is a second-round pick. At right guard spot is a, a bit of a hole. And then they have two quarterbacks where they're highly invested. They have Fournette, who they need to get a good fourth year out of to at least validate that top-five pick yes. that he was. Yeah. They have DJ Chark, investment, second-round pick. They just brought Conley back. Yeah, they have holes at tight end. They could use another pass catcher. They could use a, a, an off-balance running back, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but that is mm-hmm. not rebuild just yet. There are still there are still pieces if I'm in that building to say we can try to win now. We just have to add to it. So that's why I think the next month will really dictate what happens in free agency will dictate if this is win now or not. The Rainbow and Sunshine Club is back in action, Brent. <laughs> yes, it is. That's John Bachman, everybody. John Bachman is here and so is Tanika Hughes. Are you guys sharing a microphone? No, no, I'm just giving it to Tanika for now. Well, that's good. Uh, Tanika Hughes uh, from CBS 47 and Fox 30, along with John, who checks in uh, every day here in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And I asked Tanika to come up today, one, because I didn't want to see John, but John came anyway. Uh, two. Sorry, John. Because so Tanika does this awesome thing with a book drive here locally, and I think it's the third annual yeah. uh, book drive. I actually read over at uh, River City Science Academy. So did John today. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you reading today? No, I did not read today. But, you know, I'm always reading the kids all year round. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. You're, you're driving this book UNF. drive. I went to UNF. I had to speak at UNF today. Well, so. there you go. Tanika's doing something all the time. John's doing something. Mike Burrish all the time. So, anyway, we had a lot of folks out and about uh, reading to kids. And Dr. Seuss Week, isn't it? 
His uh, birthday like, was March 2nd, yep. so it's Read Across America. Well, tell us about the book drive. Let's get the word out. It's all about reading. I tell kids all the time in our business, it's what we do. We have to read to get ready for a show. We have yeah. to read when we're on TV. It's called the teleprompter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, why the book drive? And, why is it so close? And athletes have to read plays. I mean, yeah, you well, got, it's a part of read the playbook. Got to be on point, yeah. Everyday life. So it's the third annual Tanika's Books for Kids book drive. We're running through March 14th, and we're looking for new and like new children's books so that's what we're asking for this year and there are a lot of ways that you can get you can give you can drop off those children's books um and when i say children's books i mean infant children up to age 18 chapter books okay a little bit of everything in between but the three ways you can drop off books you can drop them off at any branch of the jacksonville public library they have big old boxes you'll see my face on in our logo um you can also order online we have a special amazon link i have friends like in england New York, people who will be sending books from all over the country. That's, is that new? That's pretty cool. We started that last year. Awesome. Just to make it convenient because I did have family and friends from out of state who wanted to give. So we have an Amazon link, and it will allow you to get the books sent right to the library. And then finally, the third way you can give is to go here to a local bookstore. They've partnered with us from the beginning, San Marco Books and More, where you can buy a book and drop off right in the same place. And and they've matched book donations for us in the past as well. That's awesome. Uh, so make sure you do that. Uh, we'll tweet out the information, and we've retweeted. Tanika's yes. been tweeting it as well. Uh, but uh, really cool stuff. We got a huge response. La- I say we, you, uh, got a, a huge response last year because I remember the box in the station yes. that was filled. Yes. I was just glad they didn't ask me to move it. <laughs> no, we did. Um, so it, for the last two years, we've collected nearly 6,000 books. And a lot of people want to know where do these, where do the books go. So the Jacksonville Public Library has a summer learning program. And over the summer, they get kids to try to meet reading goals. And when the kids meet a reading goal for the summer, they get a free book from Tanika's Books for Kids. Because two things. Kids, you guys are parents. Kids don't want to read over the summer. And that can be tough. We want to avoid the summer slide where they forget two to three months of what they learned in school. So we want to keep them reading. And then number two, we have children in our community who don't have access to books at home. And researchers have found that kids who have 25 books at home on average will go to school two years longer than kids who don't. Really? Yeah. That's an interesting number. Yeah. Uh, fascinating number. How much uh, do you think uh, this is something that we use at our house, by the way, the obviously electronics. Mm-hmm. So everybody, every kid is on their electronics all the time now. But the the rest from the electronics is go get a book. Go get a book or either go outside and be active. Well, that too. Yeah. And I think having that getting that break, because I think that it's funny because my husband gave me his Kindle and I still find that I want that book in my hand. There's nothing like it. I'm the same way. And I think that we have to make children get excited about reading so they can see that it's fun. So just like you can get captivated and caught up in a video game, man, you can get caught up in a good book and a good story. Just the same. Just the same. So that's what we hope to encourage people. And also one more plug. Saturday at one o'clock, I'm going to be reading Storytime with Tanika at San Marco Books and More. And listen, I go all in. I'm really dramatic. (laughs) You will get a whole performance. It is an entire production when I read. So come on out Saturday at one at San Marco Books and More for Storytime. And while you're there, buy a book and drop one off. I got a feeling uh, Tanika is better at that than I was today. Uh, uh, Reading... um you know, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, which was kind of cool because the kids could actually like finish the sentences. Yes. And that is the first time I've read that in a long time. Those books are tongue twisters, though. They are tongue yeah. twisters. I was uh, con- full concentration mode, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, so help out Tanika, help out the kids, really. And one important thing you said at the top, but got to be in good uh, 
good condition, right? We don't want pages ripped out and just throw away books that you're just trying to get rid of. We want them in good reading condition for kids. Yes, because, again, these are books that are going to be given to kids to have to take home. So you don't want something that's torn, ripped. You want something that a kid can take pride in and they can get life out of it and enjoy it for a long time. So, yeah, new and like new. And please give. And this is really personal for me. I didn't grow up uh, with a lot of money, came from a really small town. And literacy and reading is what made me see outside of my circumstance. Mm. And it put me on the path to become a journalist. And I've been doing it now for almost 20 years. And so I know I came from an environment where a lot of people might have counted me out and others who come from my similar circumstances. But literacy is what opened the door for me, and I want to give that gift to every other kid, as many kids as I can. That's awesome. Uh, hopefully our listeners will help spread the word about that. And uh, congratulations, third annual yes. book drive coming up. Thank uh, you. Really through the 14th, you said. March 14th. Well. And uh, we'll share some more of the information as we go along. It's Tanika Hughes from CBS 47 Fox 30. We'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock. Now your favorite, John Bachman. Yeah, I guess we'll make some time for oh, him. No! <laughs> I mean, a little bit. We'll talk about his golf game or something. <laughs> Tanika's always which looking out what, for me. Which is what Tanika hears during our crosstalks yes. our commercials anyway. I, she she uh, can tell a lot of stories. I hear about golf in 80s music. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That is definitely Bachman. You don't hear music from me. I did. I wrapped Vanilla Ice yesterday. <laughs> That's right. Golly. Uh, poor Tanika. Poor Tanika. To you. a saint. She sat next to me for uh, almost six years now and uh, hasn't kicked me to the curb yet. Tanika is awesome, too. <laughs> she is a special uh, person. Yeah, she's really great, and uh, we're lucky to have her here at CBS 47 and Fox 30 Action News Jacks uh, for sure, and hopefully you feel the same way as uh, viewers here in Jacksonville. So support the book drive, uh, really not just for Tanika, but for the kids. What you got coming up tonight, man? All right, so you driving in your car right now, especially on the south and west side of town, you yeah. may have seen the big black plume of smoke well, here's in the, the sky. Oh, what's going on? I didn't see it. You've heard I, about it. No, I got, there's plenty of ash yes. falling out of the sky like yes. on me. Well, that's because the wind's coming out of the south-southwest, so there's a, a prescribed burn in... I Can- said ash. Thank you. Yeah, we don't have to record that, do we? Um, just like uh, Austin, what did he say the other day? Uh, sax. <laughs> he said sax, Ryan. That's what he said. Sax. <laughs> I know. Anywho, uh, yes. So this prescribed burn, Camp Landing, winds blowing from the southwest. So a lot of folks experiencing, uh, actually, a lot of people calling us, calling the fire department, going, what is going on? It's supposed to be there. We'll tell you all about it coming up on uh, Action News Jackson 5. We also had um, a guy... Off Kernan, uh, accused uh, of, of practicing dentistry without a license out of his home. Man. And you think, what? <clears throat> this actually happens a surprisingly large amount of time. Really? Really? Uh, I, this is not the first story like this that I will have covered, and it won't be the last. And the reality is that there are a lot of folks out there who don't have insurance, who don't have the money, and there is a market for folks who are willing to give you an extreme discount for cash or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, again, this is an accusing situation. He hasn't been convicted of anything. He was uh, The investigators were at his house today. So we're going to tell that story. But the bottom line is this issue of what I'll call wow. black market dentistry is not a new one. And it it's quite interesting. Um, dangerous that, too. That well, that's the problem, of course. Uh, but it's it, – I mean, that's – Really, it's a sad reflection on, you know, kind of where, you know, I mean, what some people have to deal with, yeah, right? Yeah, true. Is he, um, is he any good, though? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to find out, Ryan? No, but, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Any of your 
Price is right. You had a, a tooth loose. Well, now like, pulling teeth. Day, now I'm good at pulling teeth. Back in the day, like, and my dad would always say, like, "Hey, I'll tie a knot around yeah. that thing and put hey. it in the d- door yeah. and slam the door shut." That's that's the painful way to do it. Dental floss is another great way to do it. You loop it underneath yeah, there, and you just go like that, and it's gone. Lickety split. Yeah. When it's loose, tense moments. When right it's there loose and hanging ball. by just a thread, my kids don't like me very much, but that's what I've done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you do the, I'm and going then, on three, but you go one, two, and then yes, yeah, you go. Yeah, it's going to be on three, and you go one, two, and yank. Yeah, that's that's exactly that. how it works. Is that what happened to you as a kid, Jay Goose? Oh yeah, a little bit. I was just saying, no, the, but, but for uh, real, and then of course you have the weather. Well, and I was going to say with the uh, the the black market dentistry, have you ever tried to had to pay for fluoride? I'm just saying, like you know I mean? yes, I mean if you if well, you, have, you can see why it exists. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. If you're fortunate enough to have it, uh, uh, insurance, you probably don't even realize it. But I tell you what, it is expensive for sure. And then as I mentioned, the weather burst tracking and uh, you know some stuff. But there was a tornado watch for listeners and viewers in Georgia. That's now been canceled. So. No more tornado watch in our viewing area. That's the good news. But he will tell us what's coming. And, you know, there's that line of storms that actually caused that uh, uh, real bad set of storms in Nashville. Deadly storms in Nashville, if you've oh, been yeah. seeing any yeah, of that. Yeah, a lot of friends up there. And, uh, yeah, you do. You know, we didn't have Jason Fitz on this week because he was uh, doing some things for his friends in Nashville wow, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, from ESPN. But, uh, man, those were bad. Real bad. 25 deaths, I think, was the number of last night. I don't know if it's changed today. So, yeah, I saw uh, even in there, I don't know if this was an active prison, but it said the prison that was used in the Green Mile and another movie, I think, too, was damaged heavily. Really? Uh, I didn't see that. That's an interesting thing, right? Like when a prison gets damaged in one of those situations, like what happens? Like what? How does that work? We don't take them. Yeah, that's a good question. And when they have power outages and the doors yeah. don't work or whatever, yeah, crazy. But yeah, those were nasty storms. Bad imagine. storms. This is not, I mean, so thankfully the storms are not that bad for us and actually even apparently not as severe as they were at one time fearing because the tornado watches have all been canceled for our area, which good is deal. good news. But uh, nonetheless, it's getting dark out there, so you'll want to know what's going on, and Mike Burrish is the man to tell you. We got them all in. We should have just brought Burrish up as well. Why not? Today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, So check out CBS 47, Fox 30 tonight. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, Mike Borish, and uh, support Tanika's book drive as well. Really support the kids here in town. More than 6,000 books uh, last year. Yeah, they want to get uh, 3,000 this year, and I think they're going to be well over it. But that, right. let's let's help and make sure. Yeah, so on pace, 3,000 a year. 6,000 the last couple of years. Let's, uh, let's approach 10. Let's do it. Let's try to do it. So uh, we'll uh, share some more of that information as we go along. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, hey, we're going to get back into some football talk. Uh, and... The Jaguars, we've already talked rebuild win now. I have a question about players tweeting, players liking it. Are they just flexing for the most? Is it, is it the Ramsey, the Yons of the world? Are they flexing? Or mm. do the Jaguars have, along with that front-runner mentality, was there not enough mental toughness the last couple of years in the makeup of these players that the Jaguars had to deal with some of this stuff? The win-loss record says maybe so. Is that's it related? A, that's, a, that's fair. Is it a totally different thing? Mm. We'll talk about it next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Don't, please don't compare me to the best player <laughs> of all time. All right, let me do my own thing. Don't do that to me, please. That's Joe Burrow talking about the comps to Tom Brady. Why in the world would there be comps to Tom Brady right now? <laughs> right. I mean, there's nothing even close to Tom Brady. Yeah. You'd have to say Gardner Minshew could be comp to Tom Brady before Joe Burrow would. I mean, Burrow's the number one player on the draft board 
for most teams, right. or a lot of teams. Yeah. Number one quarterback for sure. Brady wasn't that. Burrow looks the part. He's athletic. I mean, I'm sure that was just like a small clip, and, and I'm totally out of context here. But the bottom line is, there. I, I get what Joe's saying, too. It's a smart move. Don't compare me to that guy. Yeah, don't do that. But uh, I don't even know what would liken you to compare him to that guy, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, there's nothing at the outset of his career that would say, oh, Tom Brady, yeah. uh, to me, at least. Uh, Brent Martin, no. Ryan Davis in for Austin Lane, former Jags player. And kind of keep playing, it looks like, in the CFL. Yeah, uh, unless yeah, this radio yeah. stuff goes well, maybe we just hey, do more of that. There we go. Uh, <laughs> you have interest in coaching? I do. I really do. That's what I was uh, getting prepared to do before they came calling in December. All right. You know, I was uh, gathering all my notes. I got a bunch of notes uh, going through film, uh, which I still want to get a whole bunch of my, my personal game film. Because I think that will be easier to teach kids or college guys because you kind of know what you did on each exactly. one right for them watch, yeah, for yeah. Them, when i'm teaching it i want them to see me do it and it's kind of relatable so i think i get a i think guys will respond well to that so um you know i've been uh talking with my mentor uh coach super down there bethune cookman uh you know he's kind of been giving me the game i'm um, sending me stuff uh here and there but um you know i was i was really gathering a you know portfolio of stuff just to, you know, getting ready for interviews and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but that's kind of, you know, it's kind of put on, I guess, pause for now. I like how the CFL reaches out to you on Instagram. Yeah. That's how yeah. things get done. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, <laughs> I mean, uh, by any means, you know, I'm, I was cool with it. You know, one of my, uh, one of the younger guys that went to Bethune Cookman and played in the CFL, uh, you know, he, he had a contact and he told me, he told me, you know, one of the guys was looking for me. I told him, all right, go ahead and give him my number, and if he if he texts me or call me or anything like that, then I know he's, they're serious. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's how it all came into fruition. By the way, you know the best thing about Ryan Davis here on the show today? Well, it's not the best thing because I haven't had any yet, <laughs> but the guy likes fruit snacks. Oh, yeah. Fruit snacks are the best. They are. Yeah, two packs. Those, those are <laughs> hey. my those are my babies. I was gonna say <laughs> that, that's what happens. Yeah, see. So your little dude's like three, two years two. old. Yep. <laughs> and that is like wheelhouse. Oh yeah. Well, guess, here's the deal: they can be 14 and 15, and you still buy fruit snacks. Of course, that's, <laughs> they're that good. I look, I've been eating those since I was a kid, so that's, it's not gonna change. Not now gonna that's change. interesting. See, I had not had. I mean, I had heard of fruit snacks. Obviously, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. But I really hadn't ventured into the fruit snack world. Yes. Until I had kids. Okay. And we have twins, so we had loads of fruit snacks. Oh. And those were the ultimate, like, can you stop being a pain in the butt? Yeah. Here's a fruit snack. Fruit snack. <laughs> it'll be quiet. It'll be quiet for about 30, 30 40 minutes. Yep. Then, now, by the way, you know what that is? It's It might be fruit snacks, but it's like an iPad. Yeah. Right? Or an iPhone. And, and actually, the phones, when kids were born in 05, so phones were out. Uh, <laughs> they weren't, like, as crazy as they are now, even in 05, believe it or not. But... In the grocery store or something, mm-hmm. we would I would like give because I would take them shopping right. while my wife was uh, teaching, and I so I had two of them, I had two carts, so I had to put both carts in, and to, if they were started going a little crazy, then I guess give them my phone. Yeah, not one of them. Hopefully both didn't go. I didn't have two phones. Right. So, uh, but they got practice on the phone maybe when they were like a year old. Oh yeah, my my son is a pro now. He'll get this. <laughs> he'll prop the phone up and lean against the little ottoman and. Watch the iPad as he's eating them. I'm like, ah, leave, man.
good parenting for us. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Mate, whatever. And, whatever and the thing works. Is, as long as he's quiet, I'm like, okay, I get, I get, <laughs> I get some peace and quiet right there now. There are those moments where, it's, yeah, it's like, all right, uh, that's the ultimate. As long as they're quiet. As long as they're quiet, it's like, yeah. You're gonna run into one of those situations where they're they're on an app and it's linked up to the credit card or oh, something. Sure. They start charging. Oh, <laughs> Not to me, but I've, it's happened. I've caught my son numerous on YouTube. He'll be on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Getting ready to purchase a movie to watch. I'm like, oh wait, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me back, let me backpedal for you. Yeah, he, he's done that. All right, couple of things. I uh, want people to think about it. Call it if you want. Nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. I need a little dose of positivity. You're oh. wearing love on your shirt. Yes, man. yes. I need positivity about the Jags. It's been sunshine and eight months, ten months of just nothing. Yeah, all negative. What you need. Like, almost mm-hmm. closed down the Sunshine and Rainbows Club. Yeah. And there's got to be something. So I want to get to that in a moment. First, though, I want to finish a thought or two. I had brought up the Jags are a front-running defense. I thought when I said front-running defense, you might be like, whoa. Because I kind of feel like it front. When you say somebody's a front-runner, it has like a negative connotation to it in I a didn't, way. I didn't, really think, I didn't really take that as negative, though. I it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I just did, like, in the, you know, like, if you say, oh, you're a Cubs fan, all of a sudden, they just won the World Series, right? I mean, you're on the bandwagon. You're a front-runner, okay. right? You're picking right. the, the team. It's kind of, to me, at least from a fan perspective, when we use it in that connotation, it's a little bit negative. Not so much, though, from a football perspective. It's viewed that way. What does it mean to you if I say the Jags have been a front-running defense? I mean, they, the defense has... When you think, I mean, yeah, lately when you think of Jacksonville, you think of the, the stingy defense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I don't think that's a bad connotation at all. In fact, most guys around the league, when you know, yeah, I don't know how to put it. You're a tough team to beat when you have a, you know, a tough defense. So when a, when a team says, you you know, your defense is really good. It's, it's going to be a long Sunday. It's going to be a long game. But here's what I kind of view the front running. And this is where they're right. The Jags compiled numbers mm-hmm. in 17 partly because they won games. Yeah. And because when you're winning games, you're ahead. And so, therefore, your defense that can be dominant is playing with a lead. Oh, now can okay. pin their ears back yes. and get after somebody. And oh, so okay, okay. that's the front running nature of that defense is good when we're winning. When that we're defense winning. is good when we have the lead. Oh, they can't take over games and stuff like that. That's what. Oh, okay. All right. I got, I got a better understanding. So that. Huh. Uh, that's what I mean by the front-running defense, oh. where the Jaguars have kind of illustrated that. They have been less dominant. By the way, most people are less dominant in stats and rankings as they don't win as many games. Mm-hmm. That, that's just natural. But the Jaguars' defense has not done a great job in the last couple of years, I think, of yeah. setting the pace. So when it's 0-0 early in the game, the other team will go down and score on the first drive, 3 nothing, 7 nothing, and bam, all of a sudden, when the Jaguars kicked off first and said, we want our defense on the field, they didn't dictate the game. They didn't set right. the tone of the yeah. game. Well, great defenses, good defenses they, do that. They, yeah, they, they also it. close the game at the end. I get that part of it. Yeah. All defenses are good front-running when you're, well, not all, but you're better but when, you, yeah, when you're, you're front-running. Yeah. Because yeah. people know what, in the last couple of minutes, you know the team's going to pass, and now you're just going to beat your guy and hopefully exactly. get to the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that makes sense. But I guess my point of this conversation is, do the Jags need to find a way to be tougher, more physical, mentally tougher, whatever it is? I'm throwing stuff out there. Yes. To make sure their defense is carrying the weight, setting the tone, and doing the things in the first two or three quarters 
that they're not just waiting on a lead. And I understand this offense has been bad at times. I get it. Yeah. They've had excuses. But there are certain games where the offense did quite a bit mm-hmm. in a Carolina game. They couldn't I, stop was, anybody. That was the first game that came to my, my And mind. the offense looked like it could have scored at will. At will. And the defense still couldn't stop couldn't anybody. Nothing with CMC. So that's just one example, small yeah. sample. But yeah. I do believe over the last couple of years it's felt less dominant because – it feels like it's only good if the Jags are up by ten points and teams have to pass. Yeah, that's not a right good, or wrong. That's not a good thing either. I mean, you want your defense to go out there and and make plays and get stops. Uh, you know, they do, like when you're behind. You know, when you're behind, you you look for your any kind of spark. You know, to kind of get your team, you know, back in the groove. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they've been a front running defense. I mean, now that I think about it, yeah, they haven't really put a stop on any any. Anybody or taking over a game how we think they can. I actually lived up to it. Yeah, and I actually feel like the Jags, if you go back uh, even before you got here Mm -hmm. uh, to the 2010s, 9s, 8 seasons, Jack Del Rio, when they had some decent defenses, and they were decent, they were dominant, they were decent. uh, And I think uh, Austin brings up, I think his rookie year, they were maybe like sixth in the NFL. But they kind of kept them in games. Their offense was brutal, like putrid, (laughs) but they kept them in games. And so there was like this. This kind of toughness about them kind of reminds you of like the Ravens. The Ravens, before Lamar Jackson and their offense went off this year, yeah. the last few years they kept them in games. The defense, even though you might have to say on paper, like, wow, this defense is unbelievable. Or Pittsburgh, even this past year. Pittsburgh's offense was terrible. But Pittsburgh, their defense, their yeah, defense yeah. kept them in. A and lot. I'm not sure you would say, we want Pittsburgh's defense ahead of Team A, B, C, or D. Right. I think there was just this toughness about them. There was this, hey, we got to... We've got to be the ones to set the tone, and they were able to do it. All defenses say we got to be the ones to set the tone. Everybody, but can cliche. this team do it? And I think somehow they have to change the mentality of that. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I, they have to find guys. They have to build whatever they're going to build on that defensive side of the ball, and it will not be as elite on paper as it was in 17. Right. It might never be again in that elite, right. but it's not going to be top five defense on paper. It doesn't matter what they do this, this next month and a half. Right. It won't be. But they have to find a way to build this toughness in there and this, uh, we're going to set the tone. We might not be dominant, but we're going to be always in it. And mm-hmm. I just don't feel like that's been prevalent nah, here you, in Jacksonville in a long time. Nah, you're absolutely right. I think, yeah, in the last few years, thinking on it, yeah, the, the, the talent has been off the charts. Uh, like if you read, you know, who was on the roster and everything, that's been amazing. But the toughness, the mental part of it, I think, Something has to be done to where you get your squad to just, you know, uh, you know, to show up in crucial moments and stuff like, especially when they're behind, when you need a play. Um, but I think what you brought up with the Steelers, that was a great example because the Steelers, I had them written off after the, that blowout by the Patriots. I had them written off for the most of the season. Their offense was horrible, but they had a chance to get to, to the playoffs at the end of the season because of that defense and they made plays when they needed to. Um, a lot of turnovers and everything. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think some philosophy changes need to, to come need to come along. Uh, you know, during these OTAs, I think it needs to start there. And I think, by the way, I think if you look at the sixteen defense, mm-hmm. I think the Jags had a little bit more of that mm-hmm. that they were they knew their offense was not good. Right, and they knew Bortles was struggling, had to. and they almost went into every game saying, "We've got to win this game." That's a lot of pressure to say for a defense, but there was times. I think it was sixteen. I hope I'm I'm recalling the right year, but I think it is. And you almost, I remember doing interviews, be like, "Don't you 
kind of feel like you got to score. If they keep them the 13 or under, you got a chance. Yeah. Outside of that, you might be screwed. Yeah. And so that's kind of what it felt like. But my point of the story is this. Is it more about the makeup? Is it more about the mentality of the players you have? And now I'm going to make a stretch, okay? okay. I'm going to go really far off, and you can tell me I'm crazy. It's okay. Uh, I know you're a guest, but it's all right. You can <laughs> feel like you've been here for months. <laughs> I look at social media, okay, and I look at Jalen's tweets, even some of recent Jan's tweets, Telvin Smith's tweets and what he shares and says. I'm probably missing some guys along the way. I'm just using some examples that I can think of off <laughs> yeah. my head. But they feel like front-running tweets. They feel like front-running messages. When things are not going well here in Jacksonville, it's in a corner or everything's somebody else's fault or this is I want out or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when things are going well, well, I'm going to just go crush the other team. Well, that's what they did on the field. Right. That's what that group of players did on the field. When things were going well, man, they, they lit crushed. you up. Yeah. They picked you off again. They picked six you. They strip sacked you. And when things well, didn't go well, the things aren't going well. It's like, and if you look at 18 and 19, the makeup of that locker room at times when things didn't go well, they kept getting worse. They kept getting worse. They couldn't dig out of their hole. So do you, do you think they know that? Dave and everybody else on the, in the front office, do you think they know that? The group of guys... That they brought in. You think that could be a reason why they don't mind this mass exodus of all this talent? It's a good point. And I don't want to give too much credit to the Jags organization for saying, <laughs> well, it's a genius move. Get rid of all the talented players that you have. Right. That's not what I'm getting at. I think what I'm getting at is if you have 10 draft picks yeah. this year mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of picks next year and you, this roster is reshuffling. We know that's happening, whether right. it's reloading, rebuilding, whatever it is. It's reshuffling. You better... Be aware of the kind of player you're getting. Yeah. You know, you can make exceptions. I always say, Jalen is invited on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday. You know why? Because he is elite. He is elite amongst the 1% elite. And you put up with what you got to put up. And sometimes you you get tired of it and it's time to go. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was the time to go for Jalen, but eventually it would have been the time to go. He was never going to stay in Jacksonville forever. He probably won't stay in L.A. forever. Deion Sanders didn't stay forever with one team. You know, Terrell Owens didn't stay forever with one team. Nobody does. So those kind of personalities don't always stay Mm -hmm. with one team. But I still will take a couple of those guys on my football team. So there's a time and place. But I also need the core of my team to have a certain mentality that might not be like that. And I think that kind of mentality... And again, I might be stretching it, but that mentality on the field, that mentality in the win-loss column, that mentality even in social media seems to be consistent. And I yeah, don't, looking at I, it, can, yeah. I can take one or two of those guys. I can take a couple, but I don't know if I can have a locker room full of those guys. Mm-hmm. My big belief in 18 is that locker room got high on the hog with, wow, look what we just did. And look what we're going to do. Yeah. We're the best defense. Everybody's talking about us. We're the greatest. We're going to the Super Bowl. People are yeah, picking us. And they fair. couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. And so when things went bad, guess what? They couldn't handle that either. Yeah. And they couldn't stop it. Nine-game slide, I think it was, in 2018. So, Sheesh. and by the way, you know what? Defenses often can stop a slide because defenses can at least once a month 
shut somebody down. Yeah. You know, offense yeah. is kind of like hitting in baseball. If you're in a slump, you're in a slump. And sometimes it's tough to get out of it. Yeah. Defense should travel. Yeah. And that's where your identity, that's where your toughness that's is kind of built. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I might be stretching it, but I can't. I look at some of the tweets and I'm like, I, I get it's Twitter. I get it's social media. I get guys are young. But it does speak a little bit to the timing of some of these things, the messages in some of these, that it correlates with what we've witnessed inside the locker room, inside the building, out on that football field. And listen, these guys are great players. They're going to make some big money. It's it's maybe a different generation. Maybe I'm get off your lawn, my lawn guy. But I think they need to find a. I, I hate to use grit because it sounds like Coughlin, <laughs> and that's like a dirty thing these days. Yeah. <laughs> but they need to find a Pittsburgh kind of feel, a Patriots kind of feel. There have been years where Patriots defense, I couldn't name you three guys on the roster. And they still performed well. Everybody gives credit to Belichick. But they're still players. Players are making those plays. Players have that toughness. And Jags need to find that. I guess that's what I'm getting at. They need to find that with whatever roster turnover they have that this kind of stuff won't happen. Nine-game losing streaks won't happen. We're going to fix it no matter if we've got five pro bowlers or none. Let me ask you this. Do you think they need uh, more of a veteran presence? Well, that that does go hand in hand. What they did, right. the big mistake Dave Caldwell made, and when you were in that locker room in 13, 14, and, mm-hmm. is they were too young. Yeah. There, there wasn't enough Ryan Davises who had played seven years. Right. There were too many Ryan Davises who had played two years. Two years, yeah. And we so. More, yeah, we needed more um, you, more Roy Millers and Cinderic Marks. We need more, yeah, we just need more veteran veteran guys that have that, that, that been there and done it. And, so and when think, and when sixteen came around, mm-hmm. not that they won, but they got Malik Jackson in there, yep. right? And then seventeen comes around, you get Calais in there, right. and you had DJ Hayden around, and yeah. you've got guys like that. They, they need to be there. Well, they yeah. just got rid of one of those guys at AJ Boye. Yeah. So yeah. now you have to replace. Yeah. And so again, to me, it's so much. We talked a lot this week about the culture of the Jags, and when we talk about the culture of the Jags, and Austin talks about it, he's like, it's a bad culture. So how do you fix it? Well, we don't know. Like, how do you fix the culture? I don't know. How did it get to this point? Well, I really don't know. But I think a lot of that is in the makeup of your players. Sure, does it start at the top? But it certainly can be the makeup of football players yeah. and and what you have in that locker room. Mm-hmm. And you can't have 53 guys alike. No way. Not no. going to happen. Nope. But you also can't have maybe eight guys or ten guys alike that don't fit what you want to be. Yeah, I can throw, that's a big chunk of the team. You know? I can throw so yeah. uh, I, I think the Jags, it will be very interesting to see how they do in that regard uh, over, as they rebuild this thing, as they reshuffle the roster. I think I, I always use Josh Allen and Jawan Taylor have had success. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those are the guys they're looking at. I think they've got some swag to them. Yeah. I think they've got some fun personality to them. But I also think they go to work. They bring their lunch pail. Yeah. And they don't get wrapped up in the ebbs and flows. They're pretty consistent. Kill, you yeah. know what you're going to expect. Yeah. You know, if you're a coach at any level, what do you want out of a player? You want to know what that guy, gal is going to give you. Every day.
because it's something to expect. There's a comfort level with knowing what to expect. Yeah. If you don't know what your team's going to look like week in, week out. You're nervous. You're nervous. <laughs> you're nervous. That, those are sleepless <laughs> nights, man. Yeah, sometimes we look great and sometimes we don't. I feel like the Jags were a little bit of that the last couple of years. Yeah. We don't know what we're going to get. Are we going to get Jalen in a good mood? Very are we going to get Jalen in a bad mood? Very are we going to get Jalen that's just going to catch everything in sight and make these incredible plays? Or are we going to get Jalen faking a back injury? I mean, we don't know what we're going to get. So I think they have to avoid that kind of stuff, at least in numbers. By the way, I said it. You didn't say it. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. You think he was faking that? <laughs> I, I listen. Could he have played? I think Did it, it hurt? I think it was a business move. Well, so then he was faking it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just answered Look, the how, question. How was he going to get paid and sit out, you know? Hey, yeah, hey. my back had to hurt a little bit. It was a little tight. <laughs> Listen, meanwhile, Yannick Ngakwe went all out and chased everybody all around a 100-yard football field in his last game. He could have faked it. He didn't. He could have. He wanted to send I'll a, take that route instead. He wanted to send a message. When we come back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 69. We got a little ball and it fallen. It's one of the big stories in sports. And we're going to go to New York with someone that was there to witness it. It was a big part of it. That conversation coming up. Plus, we give away some players' tickets, I think, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. And always some more football talk here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks to Ryan Davis for hanging out. Former Jags player here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau along with former Jags player Ryan Davis uh, filling in for Austin Lane, who's got a fight in the MMA in Dallas, Texas on Friday. Uh, so we'll give you more information on how you can check that out. Obviously, all rooting for Austin on uh, Friday night in Texas. Speaking of rooting for things, you know what's great about sports is when the scoreboard doesn't matter sometimes. You know, yeah, we yeah. see these stories and you see the snacks kid hit the three-pointer Jackson that, State. That was my balling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was awesome. For the, we got balling and falling coming up. Right. That's a good ball. And we'll talk yeah. more about it. We've got a different kind of story. But it's another one of those where the scoreboard doesn't matter. And we're going to bring in you Albany men's basketball coach, Will Brown. Got a little history here now. I used to work in Albany. And Will Brown's been the head coach of the Great Danes for a long time. And uh, can't believe he's still there, in fact. Well, not because of the success. I thought maybe you'd get sick of Rich Becker or some of those guys around there, coach, and want to get out of Albany. What's up, man? Well, that's a, va- that's a valid point, my man. You know, Rich Becker... You know, can cause you to think about relocation, that's for sure. But um, yeah, everything's going well. How are you doing, man? I didn't know you co-hosted a show with an MMA fighter. We do, because we have the toughest show in town. I just uh, kind of, is just, I'm the Iceman. Well, people look at me a little differently because I'm, I'm, a, UFC, I'm a huge UFC fan. So yeah, you're not going to find too many basketball coaches buying UFC pay-per-views, but uh, I'm one of those guys, and my my wife and kids can't stand it, but I love it. That's but no, awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on the show, and uh, long time no talk, and uh, it sounds like you're doing really well for yourself. So very happy for you. Well, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and love catching up with you. I appreciate taking a few minutes. I know you've probably been bombarded today, uh, and let's share the story. It's really the story of the sports day uh, here on a Wednesday. Josh Spidel, uh, Vermont, a basketball player, and Vermont played the University at Albany last night. Spidel, it was an Indiana recruit, and you can tell us a little bit more how good this young man was in high school and how, how he was a three-star recruit coach, but got a bad car accident, suffered a brain injury, 
hasn't been able to play but went to Vermont and a special moment with him scoring the first basket of the game yesterday. How did this all happen? And tell us a little bit more about Josh. Yeah, it's an unbelievable story, very inspirational. Uh, John Becker, the head coach at Vermont, reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I want to run something by you. If you're not okay with it, no big deal. He goes, you know, Josh Spidell, we'd like to put him in the uniform for the first time in his career, and I want to know if you're willing to allow him to score a basket um, obviously we'd allow you guys to win the tip, go down and score. And then we'd like Josh to be able to score. And then we'll have the referee go with an inadvertent whistle and we'd sub Josh out. And, you know, I don't need to know now I'll give you 24, 48 hours, whatever you need. And I said, I said, John, listen, man, I need two seconds. I said, uh, this is bigger than a game of basketball and, you know, let's do it. Just let me know how you want to do it so we're on the same page so we can make this a memorable experience for Josh and his family. And I'll be honest with you, uh, Josh was an unbelievable player in the state of Indiana. Great high school career. When he signed with Vermont and I found out, I think I took Advil for about a week. <laughs> um, you know, I thought he was one of those recruits that would come in and be a freshman of the year candidate in our league and down the road, a potential player of the year candidate. He was in an, a terrible car accident, was in a coma for two months. They didn't know if he'd come out of the coma. They didn't know if he'd be able to walk again, talk again. And here we are five years later, and he's still battling an awful lot, but he's come a long way. He's going to walk in May with a degree with a 3.4-plus GPA, and he was able to have that memorable moment that will be everlasting for him and his family. And I'm just happy that we were able to play a small role in it. And I was really proud of my guys. When Josh scored, our bench erupted with cheers. Our players that were on the court all went over and high-fived him and hugged him. And I was able to have a moment with him when he walked off the floor. I was able to shake his hand, give him a hug, and say a few words for him. And, uh, you know, I talked to my two boys. My sons are 17 and 9. And, you know, I wanted them to realize and understand the adversity that Josh has had to deal with, his perseverance, his hard work. And it's a great story, an inspirational story for for anyone, not a young kid, an adult. Uh, you know, when we think we have problems, I think we really need to look in the mirror and look at a kid like Josh and what he's done the last five years. And he sends a powerful message to so many. So kudos to the University of Vermont, Coach Becker, his staff, the kids in that program, and the entire state of Vermont. It was something that I'll never forget in my coaching career, and it's the first time in my coaching career that I was excited for somebody to score against us. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, really well done by both sides and everybody. Did you imagine, or, or why, do you imagine it would get this big today and last night? And, and why does it? Why do you think, as sports fans, we we love these moments as much as we love competition and winning and losing and all those other things? But why yeah, do these things you catch up? That, 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 that's a good point. Uh, you know, one, 
I wasn't sure initially, um, you know, how big it would be. Uh, to me, it was it was special, and I think um, Vermont did a really good job of letting the national media know about it. And once one or two outlets find out about it, it just went it just went nationwide and uh, deservingly so. You know, the thing about sports, uh, you know, me as as a coach, the platform, you know, that I have as a coach, it's one thing I've really tried to embrace because I think so many people can relate to sports. And it doesn't matter what sport it is, you know, and whether it's amateur or professional, um, so many people relate to sports. And when positive things are happening in the sports world, and it doesn't have to be about the scoreboard or LeBron James. Um, I think too many people get caught up in winning, losing, and really don't embrace or understand the message that's being spent, uh, sent, especially in a situation like this. And I've learned in the last 24 hours the power of sports by the text messages, the emails, the uh, direct messages on social media. I woke up this morning to emails from people that I don't know from states like Montana, Idaho, that saw it on social media, that saw it on uh, SportsCenter. Um, and I don't know who these people are, but they were so uh, impressed by Josh and his story and the coverage of it that they felt the need to reach out because they felt that sometimes we get carried away with sports about the winning, the losing. You know, like I mentioned, uh, the LeBrons of the world, um, you know, the popular athletes out there, when this is a wonderful story that can influence so many. And Josh Bidell is, you know, just a, a regular kid that had a dream of playing Division One college basketball, and that dream was cut short for a five-year period, and now he gets to experience what he thought he was going to experience for four years at the University of Vermont. And I think the regular person, the average Joe, uh, somebody like myself, we, we can, you know, it's relatable. Yeah. And it sends such a positive message. And, uh, you know, I actually, as much as my phone's been blowing up, and you know how it is. Sometimes you're like, when your phone's blowing up, you're like, please stop. Yeah. Leave me alone. But in this case, keep texting me, keep emailing me, keep reaching out, because I share this with anyone that'll listen, because it, it was a special night. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't stop clapping last night, and I got caught up in the moment, and um you know, it's something you're never going to forget. Yeah, that's awesome. Well said. I mean, you lost the basketball game, but it'll be one you never forget. And and that's uh, that's about what you just said. I think, you know, we take everything for granted, so much for granted, uh, you know, sports for granted, our stars for granted. But Josh Spidell last night reminding us to put everything in perspective. What a cool moment for his family, but what a cool moment for everybody else to put it in perspective as well. Will Brown, University at Albany men's basketball coach uh, with us. I'm going to let you go because I promise I'd only keep you a few minutes. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been busy and bombarded, but I got to bring this up. And first of all, congratulations, man, on a heck of a run uh, at the University at Albany. You've done a terrific job. We were there right for the beginning. 
beginning of it when I was working back in Albany, and I can't believe you just blew my mind and said Jackson is 17 years old. Uh, I remember him running around the court at uh, probably, what, two or three years old uh, there at the University at Albany. (laughs) Well, time flies. I used to say time flies when you're having fun. But uh, my guy's going to, my older guy's going to be off and heading to college right after Labor Day and, um, you know, it's been a, a joy to watch him grow up. But, you know, my wife and I really planned well. We have a 17-year-old and a 9-year-old. We have that eight-year gap. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I was looking at a picture the other day with Jackson on Jamar Wilson's shoulders up at Vermont after we won the America East Conference Championship and we're heading to the NCAA tournament. And I'm like, where did that time go? I was... 20 pounds lighter. I had a full head of hair. And, uh, you know, it's been downhill since. But, uh, but no, yeah, man, we're, we're all getting old. Yeah, I, I don't want to drag you into it, but well, you know, we're all, we're all getting old. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, as I've learned, uh, even with my own boys, just like last night with Josh Fidel, you know, it's about creating memories. How do we create memories? for our families, for the people close to us, for the kids in my program, because I think the stuff that we worry about nowadays, a lot of the stuff people worry about is nonsense. Um, You know, I wish we'd worry more about stuff like what happened last night and how we can create some positivity for young kids. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do right now. As much as I have to win games, you know how this is. Yeah. Too many bad years, you know, you become the, the greeter at Walmart. And, uh, you know, but right now it's just about trying to enjoy what we're doing and impact lives, my man. Yeah, well, I think uh, the whole sports world thanks you and the University at Albany and the men's basketball team and, and Vermont's men's basketball team and administration for uh, shedding some light on that last night. Uh, I always share the story, speaking of memories, of you guys almost beating UConn. 12 minutes to go, up by 13, 16 seed Albany against UConn, one seed. You know, before it happened to Virginia, it almost happened to Connecticut. That's uh, one of my fondest memories covering. That place was electric. Everybody in the country was watching Albany. They were like, who is Will Brown? Who are the Danes? And how much do you think that almost happened? How much did you think it was going to happen that night with 12 minutes to go? You know what? That UConn team put seven guys in the NBA, and we ran we ran out of gas, but we were tied with five minutes to go in that game, and we just you know we just ran out of gas. Yeah. We hit the wall, and UConn was the number one overall seed in the tournament, and it was a uh, you know special time for our program. Really proud of our guys, and uh, you know UMBC obviously uh, shocked the sports world. And um, probably helped Virginia win a win a national title that following year. Absolutely, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was special, and you know, I always appreciated all the coverage and positivity coming from your end. But you know, that was uh, you know the beginning of the rise for our program, and uh, I'm just fortunate and lucky that I was a part of it, and uh, that I'm still a part of the Albany program. Absolutely, Will Brown, uh, say hello to the family, man. I appreciate taking a few minutes. Yeah, I hope your family's doing well. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, if you need a guest for the NCAA tournament on your show and we're not playing, man, give me a call. Absolutely. You know, we'll I definitely it. know a lot more than that guy, Rich Becker. Yeah, we absolutely do. And, by the <laughs> way, when when my co-host gets back, you can talk some MMA with him because I have no clue about the sport. 
Oh, I, I love MMA. I, I'll talk to him all day. And and by the way, I'll leave you with this. Is there a bigger Jacksonville Jaguar homer than Rich Becker? <laughs> no. He has I mean, are you kidding me? Come on now. <laughs> Dude, if I was running the Jaguar, if I was running the Jaguars, Tebow would be the quarterback. <laughs> Well, Brown, sell thanks. Those tickets. <laughs> thanks, man. You are right on the money. Have a good one, man. Thanks for having me on. Take you care. Bet. All right. Uh, that's Will right. Brown, University <laughs> at Albany. That was a cool moment. That if you haven't funny. seen that moment, uh, last night, Josh Bidel uh, in Vermont. Uh, Will Brown, Albany, Vermont, making it happen. Things you love about sports, man. Things you up. you just brought up your bowling with snacks. I think Austin had it yesterday, too. But yeah. we love that stuff, yeah, don't I we? Do. I really do. Yeah. The, what, the team, was he, team manager? Yeah. And then they... How do, I, I always wonder, how does that even happen? How does the team manager get to participate? Well, I think I think what happens, and I love, I think it comes from certain programs, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you value, and I'm not saying everybody wouldn't do this or would do it, but when you value everybody who's a part of the program, right? And you see a moment like that, an opportunity, a window, maybe like Vermont did with this young man, yeah. Josh Fidel, mm-hmm. and snacks you know jackson state what we have no idea what he meant to that program we have no idea right it's a cool moment for all of us but internally i said man we want to get this guy in there we want to make this moment happen and they somehow did i think it says something about the programs the cultures the people uh and and i'm not saying you don't find that at kentucky north carolina duke and all that stuff because i think a lot of special things happen but it's harder to make it happen at that level because the importance on winning and other go. things is go. so important that I think we often see these kind of stories at sometimes schools we've never even never heard of. Never heard of, yeah. Uh, but it's still school, a cool yeah. thing, and and I appreciate and I like the fact that we still love that in sports. Yeah. We're not tired of that. No. We've seen it enough, yet we're not tired of it. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, the military surprises. We see it we a see lot it now, all the time, but, but it, every time we can almost bring you to tears. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's sure. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, See, that's we're looking for positivity. There's some positivity today. Yeah, now it didn't have to relate to the Jags necessarily, right. yeah. but there is a Jags fan up in Albany, New York. He's saying Rich Becker. That's my former boss <laughs> uh, in TV land up in Albany, gotcha. and he's converted to be a Jags fan. Hey, hey, that's all. That's all because of you. I'm not sure how many are up there in Albany, New York. There are some. He might be, yeah, but a uh, probably a handful. Rich Becker certainly is one of them. Five of them. Thanks again to Will Brown for coming. <laughs> we got phone calls all over the place. Jared Rice from the Players Championship, executive director of the Players Championship, joins us right now. All right, it's go time, Jared. Here we go. Messing around. Make sure that lawn is cut. Make sure the pin flags are in. <laughs> pin position set. And make sure my spot at Media Row is available, please. All right, well, help us all if I'm cutting the lawn and setting pin placements. Um, but parking spaces, I got you covered. No problem. We're in the, yeah, we're in the final throws of it here. F- uh, five days to go, and uh, this is it. We're, um, I think you said last time we talked the hay is in the barn. We're definitely closer to that being a reality now, but uh, it looks absolutely perfect out there. And, um, you know, the finer t- final touches are going on, and, uh all the food and beverages are, are starting to be loading in, so we're we're pumped up. We're ready to go. Jared Rice, executive director of the Players Championship. Seriously, uh, you just kind of illustrated some of it, but I mean, we're talking about hours now. You know, when we started this, and, and we go back and we we run into you and say, okay, it's months away, and then that's eh, a few weeks away, it's days away. Well, we're talking about hours now that it's away. What does happen in the final stages? I mean, is it seriously just uh, dotting the i's, crossing the t's? Yeah, it's a lot of quick decisions. Every, you know, the, the amount of things that happen in an hour with this team is, is, you know, each hour is, is unbelievable, and um, it's it's moving really fast. We have 14 full-time people that are just uh, buzzing about the property, and it's 
Yeah, it's proofing menu boards and loading in uh, pallets of water, and um, it's a really it's you know it's it's a big wedding or a really big uh, party. I mean, we have a ton of people coming out to see an amazing group of athletes, and we have to deliver a, a fan experience that is that is top notch. And 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 doing that thinks of all have to think of all the small things, and so this is. You know the time that we spend a ton of time on on the details. So the, the it, it's it's some it's some long nights right now, but it pays off next week, and everyone comes out and has a great time. I'm not sure you actually do see your family this time of year, but if you do, when you get home, first thing they ask is, "Dad, is Tiger playing?" Uh, I've got I, I've had that question a few times, uh, and I like I've told them I say, "Hey, buddy, if uh, if if." If Tiger is healthy, we expect he will be here, and uh, we we expect him to be here, and uh, we're we're anxiously awaiting him uh, to, to confirm. But um, you know, I think from a from a uh, competition perspective, that um, you know we're in a really unique position as a tournament where uh, the person in, in my role for other tournaments has to go out and, and recruit uh, players to come, and um, you know that's a cool thing about our sport. Um, and the players, as the way they were organized, have an opportunity to pick their schedules. Uh, for the players' championship, it's, it really comes down to, uh, very fortunately, and say this from a, you know, a place of pride, is that for any of them, if they're healthy, any of the players, they're, they're playing. Uh, it means a lot to them. It's an unbelievable field. The purse is now the richest in golf. Uh, the points and the status that you earn, uh, eligibility for the Hall of Fame, it is a big deal. So if they can, if they can be here, they're playing. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, always the best field uh, in golf, and uh, we'll be once again here in 2020, the Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass. Jared Rice, executive director of the Players' Championship. You know, you make me work hard. Jared, in a way, because I try for the listeners to say, all right, let's give them something that we haven't had uh, the last few weeks when we have you on weekly. And I, how about this one? And I, I didn't even prep you for it, so I might study and you might not be able to answer. I know you love these. Like, oh, boy, where's he going here? Uh, I'm going to keep you guessing while I continue to tease this before I ask it. But what, I, what I'm interested in is you guys tweak things. You're always changing things. I always tell you this in a complimentary way, and I have for years say, why do you need to fix anything? It's great. Well, you guys still try to enhance, enhance, enhance. What was something that was done maybe last year at the players that people kind of the feedback was like, man, that was awesome? Uh, or and is there something maybe this year that you guys are anticipating, saying people are going to really like this? We like this little change, this little tweak, this little addition. Yeah, I think last year what was really well received was the welcome experience. And so that when you came in through the Nicholas entry, that's our main entry with the boardwalk, with the Brazilian teak, and you come through into our welcome experience with the with the one third replica of seventeen on the left hand side and our our, our merchandise shop on the right. Um, that it was beautiful, and you felt like it was very much a first impression that was commensurate with the the stature of this of this event. And so people really, really love that. Um, and I think they'll like what we've done to reorient the the welcome experience layout even better. So, no, we didn't build a new um, boardwalk. Um, it's still there. But even things like, you know, moving an entry tent 15, tent, uh, 15 feet, building a, um, a new brick paver uh, patio for uh, mobile ticket concierge service um, to the right of that entry tent. So for people looking for extra help, they can have a space to do it in the shade. Well, when you come in the facility, now we have Stadium Village on the left-hand side, which is much easier to access, and we've got a great Michelob Ultra bar there. Um, our, our fan shop's still on the right, but now 30,000 square feet instead of 25. So it just looks tight. 
tighter and it's a it's a cleaner flow right when you get get to the golf course um and then you know i think one of the one of the, it may be a small thing is we've we've doubled the size of our our beer garden by by hoptinger and uh that's a really popular place and uh, they do a great job i i gotta have that plug in here um but it's it's we double the size of it, so it's you know a little lawn space now, and and more seating, and a, a, a more patio space. So really trying to embrace outdoors, and and uh, it's a great time of year. The weather's really shaping up, so I think that the theme. I know it's a really long answer, but is for for all of these places, you will see tweaks and enhancements for these these fan zones. That you know some new restaurants, a little bit better layout, uh, and the idea is always to constantly be improving the um, the experience for fans. I love the subconscious change right like the ones that don't just they're not advertised they're just kind of done Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't even notice and it might even take two years to notice well here's one to notice if you didn't notice last year i think this was last year jared you can correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of the um what would you call that the uh uh not signage but around like the the built structures that the mesh the mesh the mesh is is now blue it used to be green and yet the blue seems to look better like, I don't know why, but it seems to look better. It doesn't well, make much sense to me. I don't know why somebody tried to change it and what was the thought process, but I'm sure there was some kind of research done to say blue might look better. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, and these are the things we, when you think about the presentation, it, we want it to look beautiful, not only on television, but you know, a it's got to look beautiful and play great and deliver competitively for everything that. Uh, you know, that the, the, the tournament has to do. And then aesthetically, it's got to be on that same plane. And when we looked at, um, you know, again, complete canter, looking at the, from a brand perspective, we said, listen, we have the opportunity to you know, embrace our core colors, and that's being blue and gold. So you see that out on the golf course a lot more. And that blue is a little bit different than it had been a few years ago. I know it seems really, you know, again, in the weeds, but it looks really great against an overseeded uh, golf course. So, we we constantly look at those aesthetics because if you're you know as a listener as a fan we want you to come out here and you want to you want to go to a place that looks good right I mean it's it it, it looks and feels great to be outdoors and having a great time and and seeing these guys uh, you know put on an athletic uh, show that they can't really see anywhere else yeah, and it does look fantastic no doubt about it Jared Rice executive director of the Players Championship thanks for joining us man we can't wait till next week and of course we'll catch up with you uh, during the week. Sounds good. See you soon. All right. Uh, we're going to give away two tickets right now and a $25 gift card to Firehouse Subs. I never give it away for nothing. Wow. You got to call in 904-362-9901, 362-9901, or star star 690. But you also have to answer a question. This isn't just caller number four. Yeah. This right. goes back since 1974 now. You got to earn it. How many multiple winners of the Players' Championship are there? How many multiple winners? All the big names seemingly have won this event. But how many multiple winners? 904-362-9901. You don't have to name them all. Just give me a number. number. Since 1974. Zero back-to-back, right? I think that's the case. I think you're right. Yes. Zero back-to-back. Let me just double check. Uh, Yes. Zero back-to-back. Because there was talk that that might happen this year, but... Well, good. With Rory. With Rory. So anyway, that's the question. How many multiple winners at the Players' Championship, and not just since it's been at TPC Sawgrass, so it goes back to 1974. Give us the number. Call in 904-362-9901.
two tickets to the players, and a $25 gift card to Firehouse Subs. You're going to have to tell me the answer off air. I will so tell I know. you in a moment, but I'm trying. <laughs> not, I don't want to give you the signal okay. of number. <laughs> I didn't tell you the answer uh, before, but we got that coming up. Uh, when we come back, Ryan Davis joins yeah. us again. Sorry. No, I'm here. I know I invited you in to talk, but then we had a couple phone calls. Oh, no, that's fine with me. <laughs> I'm trying to find the answers. <laughs> you can't win. You're not, You're not eligible. Not today. And that firehouse <laughs> gift card. <mate. laughs> More to come on ESPN 690. Catching up here with Ryan Davis, former Jags player. But the Bethune-Cookman actually just saw an old classmate. Yes, young scholar. Yeah, shout out to him, man. That's my guy. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool stuff. And glad to have you in, man. Hope oh, you're yeah, enjoying man. a little radio. I am. I am. I'm getting I gave uh, you I'm a breather. See, I just didn't know if you had the – I wanted to make sure you could pace yourself through three hours. See, that, 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 that's what I was worried about. I was worried about – I seen the three to six slide. I'm like, oh man, that's, I've never been on the radio that long. Never been on the radio <laughs> so that long. We gave you a little break in the last. Yeah. So you got to bring it now down the stretch. Okay, that's cool. No pressure, but we got about 15 minutes. <sighs> All right, I'm ready. You got to bring it, bring it home. Uh, you played in the AAF. Yes. Why not the XFL? Uh, the money. I felt like it wasn't worth the risk for how much they were paying. So the pay scale is a lot lower. Yeah. Well, the way my agent brought it, brought it, broke it down to me. Uh, it was like around like 27 grand for the guys. And then, but the bonuses were contingent on if you won and if you played in the game. So if you, you know, I think the max you can make is like 50 something. That's a, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sit up here and sound, oh, you know, I wouldn't play for that. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but it, for me at this stage in my career and in my life and what I, what happened in the AF, I was going to say, yeah, I, you know, it was a lot more, I need a little more security than that. Yeah, to so, invest in that, knowing yeah. what happened in the no, AF, even happened. though that got off to a good start and it looked like they had done and said all the right things. They said a lot. <laughs> but maybe their pay scale was too much. This, yeah. They said, and then the thing with the AF pay scale, yeah, it was too much. And it was like 70 grand, but you could make up to whatever you, you know, whatever you did, your bonuses and all that kind of stuff as a team. Um, but yeah, that, the XFL wasn't, you know, that wasn't my, uh, you know, my cup of tea. And obviously the CFL is more, they're more grounded. Um, everything benefits everything, all of that. So that's a well-run league, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and well-respected league. It's been exactly. around for a long time. Like players who play in your position in the CFL, if that's how things work out in the next couple months, few months, mm-hmm. would is it different? Is football different up there? I know the field's bigger, they throw it around, all this stuff, but is it different from your position? Uh, or you just go get the quarterback. You man? just go get the quarterback. No matter if you're in the backyard, the parking lot. I think that I think Canada. The, I think the difference <laughs> is we have to be off the ball a little more. Like, I think a yard off the ball. Okay. But I'm not even sure if that's still a thing. You know, I have to, I have to really. You have to check the rule book. I really have to check Don't the rule Don't worry, they'll books. tell you. But they did tell me it was two downs. Uh, the field's, the field's a lot bigger. Well, not a lot, but it's bigger, of course. Um, and yeah, so, but the two down thing was what I, I didn't know. I didn't know we only had two downs to go get the QB and then third down, they kind of, I guess, punt it or kick it. I don't know. We'll find out. I'm going to find out. And I honestly have not watched a lot of CFL. Obviously, some of the players that have done well, and sometimes you'll see highlights and they're fun yeah, highlights yeah. and all that. But and you just know it's been good. Yeah. Um, you know, CFL. The only reason I even know anything about it was Doug Flutie. I mean, Doug Flutie was just king Legendary. of the CFL back in the day. Legendary. So uh, that was always fun. Do you think the XFL will make it? Uh, and I, some that you've seen of it, like the 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 mics and the talking to players and coaches, the betting aspect of it. Yeah. You think? These are good things. Uh, do you think it will make it? I think so. I think this is. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say CFL? I meant XFL. Yeah, XFL. Okay. Yeah. I think the XFL will make it. I think they've, um, 
you know, we saw what the AF went through and then, you know, not having the, you know, the structure or the monies in place, you know, for it to keep going. I think the XFL does have, it. I think Vince, Mc, I think Vince McMahon, right? Yeah. I think he, I think he said it like he expects to lose like 300 something million in the first year or so, or something like that. But yeah, he, I mean, it, it sounds like somebody who knows it's a plan in place and, you know, so. I think it's going to last, you know, and betting on it and, and having a whole bunch of guys is going to, that's turning out to be stars. I like the PJ Walker guy from Houston. He's making plays. So he's making a name for himself. I think he's going to get on the roster, uh, this summer for surely. Where do you think that you're a great guy to ask this question because yeah. you were a fine line guy? Like, yeah, yes. I mean, again, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's if me. we had to do roster cuts, yeah, we probably would have said, every Hey, time, Ryan Davis, every time I know. Every no. time I'm on the bubble, every, <laughs> every no, every time. year, every year after training, like training camp, I'm reading the article. Ryan did bubble guys. Ryan did bubble guys. <laughs> every year, so that's what kind of fueled me. Like again with this bubble stuff. Keeps the chip going. It keeps right? the chip going. But there's a, I guess that's my question. Is like, what is the fine line in talent? Uh, obviously, I do the show all the time with Austin. He was a mm-hmm. fifth round draft pick. Played at Maury State. Had a few years and. and even a couple more after Jacksonville. Right. But what's the fine line between that and even a mid-level guy? I'm not talking maybe Josh Allen. He's got freaky athleticism and, and skill set, and sometimes they're just some people are built different. You know, there are people in my business that have a better voice, right? right. And I can't get that. <laughs> so, right. so that that guy might get paid more. Um, but so we all that all that that's everything. Um, but what is the fine line between a guy like that might get cut or always on the bubble and then or sticking it out seven years? Because you were that guy. I mean, yeah. you had seven years or you could have been cut in year one. Really, it's the mental aspect and the attention to detail. That's what I, I, I that's what I that's what was important for me. Like, because you, you got guys like me who are athletic, but, you know, attention to detail. I wasn't the most I wasn't the fastest, didn't jump the highest. But I understood what my role was and I understood I had to be quick in a short space. Uh, and I understood I had to be fast with my hands. So, you know, uh, I understood all of that versus me versus a guy like Dante Fowler, who's just freakishly athletic. You know, that's a once in a lifetime, you know, kind of guy right there. So, you know, it's, it, that's the difference between. But he didn't know how to use and, the athleticism at this not, level yeah, yeah. sometimes, yeah, not, not to its full yeah. extent. Right. And one, but the thing is, once he figures it out, then, then you got, you get a Von Miller. That's that's because that's a guy that who's freakishly athletic, but he knows how to use it. Yeah, yeah. I I always compare a lot of guys to him because I feel like, like the over the last decade, I I would put him as the best pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah. Could Josh Allen be Von Miller? He can, and he's a little bigger than Von Miller yeah. too. So he, I think he might be a little stronger. And uh, he had ten sacks this year. Yeah, ten half. Oh my goodness, yeah. As a rookie, so that's saying a lot, you know. And he doesn't even know. All, like his capabilities yet, so I think he can. He has that. You know, it's interesting. You say we don't like to we like to label people mm-hmm. right away. Yeah, like once you were labeled a bubble guy, you were probably always a bubble always, guy. Always, and I hated it. <laughs> right, once like Tyson Alualu, I, I think is a great example of this. A guy that people were like tenth tenth overall pick yeah. shouldn't have been that bust of a player, not mm-hmm. that great of a player. Well, if you ask people. I know Austin's buddies with him and, and really respects his game, but I yeah. think if you ask people in the NFL, mm-hmm. we'll take that guy any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Facts. He's now got a decade in the league. Oh, facts. Yeah. And again, it's different than living up to top five pick, top ten pick. Mm-hmm. Those are different standards at times. But my point being, it's not always how we label. Taven Bryan might live in that category because yeah. Taven Bryan 
is kind of what you just said about Dante Fowler. He's got a skill set. Mm-hmm. People talk about his athleticism, right. but can he figure out how to use it? Right. And can he figure it out quick enough before somebody gives up on him? Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of the key to yeah. being successful. They're not going to wait forever. No, they're not. not Dante, you got to figure it out to the elite degree. You, you'll be around for a long time in the NFL because mm-hmm. of your skill set, because of production. Yeah. But if you want to be Von Miller, you better figure it out soon. You're going on year six now. And the thing between the difference between me, a guy like myself and those guys, they get the they get the few years Benefit to of the develop doubt. us like me, undrafted guys. You gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go quick. You yes. gotta develop fast. Your time uh, or, is much shorter. Oh, you're out of there, yeah. So I remember one practice I was playing tight end. This is back, you know, my rookie year. I'm playing tight end, I'm DN. I, playing, I remember that. Playing tight end and I go down and, uh, kind of sprain my knee a little bit and they let me go for a week. I'm like, whoa, what is this? You know, this was back in the Gene Smith era. So I, I you know, I, that's when I learned like, oh, this is really real. Like they can let me go and do as they please. So I really had to get on it and really just be, you know, Learn, learn on the go and just, you know, keep, keep getting better because there's really no patience for, you know, guys like us. It's interesting, you know, uh, as we continue to talk with Ryan Davis here, join us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 today. People lambaste guys like Todd Wash, uh, with the way things have gone. They want him out. They've wanted him out. People absolutely crush around here. Gene Smith, uh, <laughs> for what he did. And, and listen, I'm not saying some of it's not warranted. Right. But I always find it interesting, and you can tell us how you feel, mm-hmm. but a guy like Gene Smith gave you an opportunity. Yeah. So do you have like a to- – when you hear people say that, are you kind of like, well, yeah, give me a chance. Listen, yeah. I, hear, I get what you're saying, but he gave me a chance. Exactly. So I, I would never – I would never go on record and disrespect anybody that gave me a chance. Now, I can go and critique all I want, but I – but guys like Gene Smith, I, I don't know, I don't know what he did before I got here. I know when I got here and how it was run, you know, it wasn't the best, you know, but he gave me a chance. And same thing with Joe Cullen. A lot of guys didn't really, uh, agree or like Joe Cullen, you know, in our locker room. You know, I, I wasn't a guy that was, uh, I wasn't talking around Joe Cullen because I didn't, you know, I didn't get the vibe that he was too friendly and all that kind of stuff. You know, he, I mean, he ran my pro day and everything, him and him and uh, Paul Spicer. And that's why I came here, because, you know, I, I knew he would, uh, you know, try to work me on the field somehow. But uh, his method of coaching, I don't 100 percent agree with. But, you know, for me, I can't go on. You know, I can't forget that he gave me a shot and they brought me in and all that kind of stuff. So when I hear guys uh, ripping the tie wash and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, hey, it worked in uh, 2017, so we just need to get back to that, find a way to do it. And it works. It worked in Seattle for a long time with that with that group, uh, with that teaching, that philosophy. So, um, you know, it just got to get the right pieces in there, and hopefully, you know, the, you know, the people can lay off a little bit. Someday little we're going to get to Well, by the way, it's just a different perspective. I'm not yeah. saying it's right or wrong. I'm not, no, I'm yeah, not, I mean, yeah. the fans, watch the it. evidence I shows. It on, I see it on Twitter a lot. Yeah, and the evidence shows. It. But I just think it's interesting when guys have personal experiences yeah. and help 
put you in the league. Without Gene Smith, you might not be in the league. Right. You might not have seven years in the league. Nobody maybe exactly. will give you that chance. Right. So it's an interesting perspective to have. Mm-hmm. I tell you, someday on this show, we're going to have Joe Cullen on. And when we do, that'd be we'll invite sh- you back. That will be a good show. Because man. Austin talks about him all the time. Uh, I, I would love to see uh, I would love to see Joe Cullen. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> look, I, every time he's on uh, like the combine come around, I hear his voice. I'm, I'm trying to look for him on TV. I can't see him, but I hear him. That's so funny oh, because I think goodness. Austin said the same thing. It's like, that's the voice you hear sometimes in your sleep. Yes. Oh, for real? <laughs> I will never forget that voice. Never, ever. All right, I got, I got two other questions for you. You said you went to Dallas and then yeah. Buffalo. Yes. And you told me this in a commercial. Yeah. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, man, things were intense on the practice field there. Yeah. What's interesting is around here, mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin, grievances, uh, 17 and 18, there was almost a mutiny at times, I think, because of the training camp. <laughs> now, they really backed off at this last year. Yeah. Do you think it helps build teams better with tougher camps? And when you played in Jacksonville, I think under Gus, mm-hmm. it was night and day. Right. Yeah. Camp compared to some of the other places you stopped. We, I didn't go. I wasn't in camp for I wasn't in camp for Dallas. But those practices there during the season. Yeah, they were they were they were tougher than than here. Yeah, and I can say that uh, you know, towards the end of the season here in Jacksonville, we took the pads off around week twelve, thirteen. We didn't, yeah, we we used all and we didn't even use all our padded practices when we were here. We used all of them in Dallas, yeah. and we t- and we and and then when the playoffs came, we still had padded practices where guys were like, oh man, we need to take this off, no. And then Rob Marinelli, he don't believe in water breaks at all. I, that's what I got from him. He didn't say it out of his mouth, but we didn't get it. You had to get it on the fly. Like you just, you better go refill over there. Is it a is it a real tug of war though for coaches to balance that, ticking off players in locker rooms and I, almost having a mutiny versus toughening yeah. them up and hoping it pays off? Because if it doesn't pay off, the backfire can be large. Yeah, that's the tough part. But See, is I, that real, or am I just? No, I mean, that's, that's my view of no, it. No, that's that's real. Like if you push the guys too much, there will be a meeting amongst. The captains, you know, they will talk to the coach and everything. And then you don't know how the head coach is going to respond. He can respond like, you guys are too soft. You know, we're going to go out there and do this anyway. Yeah. And maybe even harder. Off, maybe <laughs> even harder. And that could throw off a whole group of guys. But if you're, it's, 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 your coach has to see, you know, how guys' bodies are doing. Yeah. Really, that's what it comes down to. If your guys are healthy, your overall roster is healthy, not a lot of guys on IR and stuff, then, you know, Jason Garrett was going to make sure we got, you know, all our padded practices in and, and, and then, you know, and be tough. And That's be really to interesting, you know, yeah. because Garrett doesn't kind of lose that. Right. Like, it doesn't come off that but way. But he, he's a, he, like, he, we got it in. We definitely got it in. <laughs> that whole year. No Same way in Buffalo. And we got what, it in. It's interesting to me because Doug Marone did a 180 from the first two years to mm-hmm. his third year, and he noticed that. He talked to players and stuff, and he said, Man, we can't do this. But he also had Tom Coughlin right down the hallway, so yeah. it was uncomfortable. It's like yeah. I'm going way away from the beliefs in here, yep. but I'm doing it anyway. I think this is going to work. This is better for the team. Now, in fairness, he kept the team together. They didn't win as many games they'd like, but the team stayed together. They played hard for him, right. I think, because he gave them that trust. Okay. Now what will he do here in 2020 with his job on the line? And I I think he believes in that tough mentality, yeah. the Bills, like you were saying, uh, they, all that. They, I, I believe that. So. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of camp they have. And how hard will it be? How much does he strain these guys? It'll be interesting. And I, But I will say this, though. When I was in L.A. for that camp, that was, yeah, uh, 
that camp right there was pretty it was pretty chill was it i can say that yeah the, i think the starters didn't play at all i think yeah the starters didn't play at all. i think sue played in one game uh like two series but and that was the year they went to the super bowl yeah that was the year they went to, so it's 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 a fine well, line no, that was that camp that's where that i was think they got kind of the idea a little bit it's yeah. like so well, people see year, that yeah they didn't even play a snap and they went. they didn't play a snap and they you know they had the guys playing unbelievable and by the way they have a pretty complicated offense so yeah. you think the the rhythm of that offense would need to be found exactly and it never did and like jared goff they never he didn't suit up in preseason at all all right one last question for you mm-hmm. i'm curious okay agent wise mm-hmm. how much does your agent or over the years has your agent got uh kind of influenced you or is it all your decision making uh for the most part like how does that relationship work because what we're seeing in jack like we saw jalen ramsey mm-hmm. his agent we're seeing Jan, his agent you know when we see these kind of i would say conflicts of sorts with right. teams how much of is it based, do you think, on what you're thinking as a player or what you're trusting that your camp, I say agent, but I mean your camp, may yeah. kind of direct you. And, yeah, it is usually just How much has my agent directed me or kind of? Yeah. Uh, much like, hey, it's in the recruiting cycle. Same thing. It's like, do you lean on your mom and dad? Do you lean on your coach? Do you yeah. lean or are you making the decision? How much are you in control of it or have you at least in your instance? Uh, it was, it's been pretty much, uh, 50-50 for the most part. Okay. You know, I just, you know, uh, hired David, uh, Cantor, um, 2018. Okay. So, so it's pre- previously, relatively new. Yeah. So previously, uh, I had, a uh, you know, I was with the other agency and, uh, it was kind of 50-50, but, End of the day, I didn't really uh, agree with um, his passiveness and everything. So we kind of, I kind of bumped heads with him and kind of decided to, you know, cut ties with that guy. So when he tried to, I guess, you know, take, you know, matters in his own hand to do stuff his way, that's when I kind of backed off and, uh, you know, found David and, and you know, we were, you know, we've been on the same page since then. So. That's interesting. So does yeah. he say, hey, I don't think you should go to the XFL, or do you say, I don't want to go to the XFL, I want to go to the CFL? How's so, that conversation go down? The conversation, I'll ask him about it first, you know, and he'll tell me, and I'll ask him, hey, how much do you guys getting paid? Oh, it ain't this much. And I'll just, and then he'll tell me the real deal on a lot of stuff. And then the CFL presented itself. I told him about it, and we talked it over, and, you know, the option was there. So uh, it just made sense for me. He said, as long as, you know, as long as in my heart I want to play, then, you know, I think you should do it. So, and for me, that was easy. All right, man. Well, hopefully it was in your heart to do three hours of radio. You oh, did it. Was, you survived. It Check was definitely, the box. It was in my heart to do it. I'm glad Look I did. Look, in the heart and the love, positivity. Oh, Anything positive to say about the Jags? Anything positive to say? Yeah. Um, I got. They're not the Lions. They aren't playing this weekend. Yeah, there you um, go. The Jumbotrons are nice. <laughs> I'm positive the Jaguars are a mess. I got nothing. I got you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Jacksonville. We have beaches. We got the Lemon Bar. Um <laughs> What we have? Coop 303. Oh, about the Jags. Oh, uh, the Jags, uh, nice stadium, uh, nice practice facilities. We have four picks in the first four rounds. <laughs> Gardner uh, Minshew. We still Six got Gardner Minshew. Who needs to come out with a jean shorts, uh, denim line, denim jean Across short line? Freaking pond and all I that. I think that'll be a hit. That uh, would be a hit. Holler at me, man. Let me get a percentage of that. Ryan uh, Davis. Yeah. Uh, that's positive enough. If you oh, end yeah. on Gardner Minshew, that's all you need. That's all you need. Gardner man. Minshew. That's my guy. Save the day, Gardner I, Minshew. I got Gardner Minshew socks, too. Thanks, man. Uh, good luck to you. Hopefully we'll catch up again. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thanks, man. That's Ryan Davis, former Jags player. Keep an eye on him. Maybe in the CFL here uh, in the next couple of months. Good luck with that. For Coos, I'm Brent Marno. Thanks to Will Brown for stopping by. Jared Rice as well. And uh, we'll see you on the TV side of things. CBS 47, Fox 30. Back at it tomorrow. I think Josh Scobie's going to join us hey, on ESPN 690. What up, Scobie? 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.